4: Welcome to the Chelsea FanCast, fueled by Guinness, powered by celery. The show that hopes to be able to answer as many of your questions as we can tonight. Why? Well, that's yeah. uh, due to another international break. So it's time for another Chelsea FanCast Q&A show. And guess what? The title of tonight's show is Question and Answer Show. Chelsea FanCast number 886. There is nothing clever one can say about it other than what it is really, JK. But, you know... Unless you could think of something mildly amusing to call this show,
5: Um, uh, Chidge and JK don't speak for a long period. Oh,
4: that would be that'd be a very popular show. That I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we could call it the Down the Tubes Show.
5: Um, uh,
4: Okay, maybe not. Anyway, JK, as always, is with me for this Q&A show. Uh, but we've also got... Who are our who are our regular Chelsea fancasters? We've got quite a crowd in tonight. We've got... Uh, oh, God, I can... Just start can, with can, the Chelsea yeah. fancasters, and then I'll introduce our guests.
5: Uh, yes, and... Uh, well, well, our, our Chelsea fan... Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, well, of course, we've got um, uh, me. Who are, who are you?
1: <laughs> uh,
5: I'm, I'm Nathanodge Dick. That's by my name backwards. And... Um, uh, we of course have uh, uh, the fantastic Martin Wickham.
6: Hello, everyone, and what's my name backwards? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
5: yeah, good, good question. It, it's it's Makuru Nitram. Mm.
6: Yeah, okay, sound Welsh <laughs> or Indian. Uh, the uh, Maybe. The, superb,
5: <laughs> the superb Tony Glover.
6: Uh, yes, or why not Revolk?
5: Very good indeed, um, and um, the magnificent. And I say this with 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 great obsequiousness. The uh, I'm toadying beyond belief to the brilliance of the weekend, Mark. Beautifully done. Um, for the sleep out. Fantastic. And um you'll no doubt be telling us if, how much money um you made. Um, these superb Mark Me
4: Don't tell us yet, Mark. I've got you in to do that first up, all right.
7: Oh, don't worry. And I'm, I'm Nahim Cram, so uh, a distant relative of Steve Cram. OK. <laughs> the, the one
4: thing we missed about Tony was he is definitely revol- revolged, but he's revolged. why not?
8: Exactly. revolged. why not? Which I
4: think is quite good. So anyway, sorry for my interjection, JK. And last, but by no means least, we have?
5: Um, well, that's it for the fan cast.
4: Oh, no, come on. That's very oh, rude. He's no. one of us, mate. He's one of our
5: own. Oh, you mean Newsom? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have the because we have our I'm just joshing. <laughs> um, we have the completely brilliant Adam Newson who is a fount of knowledge and puts us all to shame with our speculation and his his um percussive wit. Mm. Thank you JK.
4: Did he did he make up for it Adam?
5: Oh no.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh, dear me, I could tell this is going to be fun tonight. Right. Now, we also have uh, amongst us, and I, I, I mean, I'll i ask them all to unmute uh, temporarily right now so that they can say hello, and I'll, I'll uh, introduce them in turn. But we've got, as uh, a a Q and a show, I like to do it with real people in, in the show, you know, as opposed to the non-real people like me and JK and the others. But these are people who are in our uh, Patreon site and uh, and the wonderful Discord chat room, which provides a lot of fun for all of us during the week. And they are, in no particular order, the lovely Daryl Middleditch. Hello, Daryl.
6: Evening, Chidge.
4: Evening, everybody. Good to see you, as always. The absolutely delightful from Toronto, Claire McConnell.
3: Uh hello and that would be Toronto actually.
4: Toronto. Don't I know it is. I know Canadian yes. people. I know what they yeah, say. I'm
3: not a Canadian person. I'm I a know. British.
4: You're definitely very most absolutely completely and utterly 100% British Claire and I love you for that. How are you anyway? Thank,
3: thank you. Yeah, good. good. But upset about Roman. Well, yeah. Like, really upset.
4: I know. We're all in a bit of doom <laughs> about that. Now we've also got the lovely Ash, Ash Pinto with with his little baby by the looks of it. Ash, do you want to say hello, or dare you not?
9: Hello. Hello. Hi, good evening. Good afternoon. Uh, this little guy's uh, Wesley, and he's nine months today. So
4: hello, Wesley. That's really cool.
9: For a moment, while the other one's being uh, put to, down for his nap, and then he'll uh, be gone shortly too. So. I love he it. Says hello. Fantastic. Well,
4: hello <laughs> to you both. Good to see you, mate. Uh, we've also we've also got the lovely Oscar.
1: Good evening, guys.
4: Good to see you, Oscar. Uh, hey. you, you've been along before. You know how it all works, uh, as does the the fantastic Pierre, who I uh, was very lucky enough to meet for a beer in the cock earlier on this season. How are you, Pierre?
10: Yeah, doing great, thanks, Judge. Great to be on and great to see Tony as well, my uh, nemesis in the Prem Predictions League. <laughs> oh,
8: there you <we> go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not- last week though I forget that one <laughs>
4: well, I, I, I might you've reminded me Pierre I might actually just have to have a wee look at that later as there's been a bit of a lull and see where everybody is as we've got a few of you in here who are in the league uh we've got the lovely Craig as well good afternoon good to see you where you where are you from Glad Craig to... remind me Omaha Nebraska Omaha Nebraska Ow. there we go Ow. that's fantastic well good to see you mate We've got Paul Burgess, who's an old mate of the show. Been uh, listening to it a long time, has Paul. How are you, Paul?
9: Yeah, very well, Chich. Thank you. Evening, everyone.
4: Lovely to hear your dulcet tones. And uh, last but by no means least, we've got James Edge. Hello, James. Good Good evening, Chich. How are you? All right, mate. Good to see you or good to hear your dulcet tones. So there we go. So we've got a lot lot of people from the Discord and the Patreon group. If they could all now remute themselves... uh, that would be lovely, and we'll bring them in later for some questions, because that, of course, is the point of this show. Indeed, it is. Uh, so uh, none of the usual structure tonight. That's hey, all. Hitch. Yeah. Good evening. Hello, James. <laughs> Are you all right?
1: <laughs> good.
4: Good. Right. Right. Put yourself on mute. There's a good chap. Right on the show tonight. Uh, none of the usual structure, as I was saying, because what's the point of having structure? The whole point of this is that we have a free for all. Exactly. Um, I do think, though, we should probably have a half-time break because me and JK will probably need to go for a pee or make a cup Uh, of tea. And and me. Oh, and you. I was being kind about you. I was being kind too kind i think Indeed. i'm
8: probably the second oldest
4: here well that's actually true so there we go yes. but we will have a half time break i promise you that now uh, we've also got a couple of emails which will hopefully set the ball rolling uh, but hopefully we'll have a lots of well lots of questions from our guests of course from patreon on the discord group and uh, no doubt they will probably be mainly about the sale of chelsea and the associated bidders uh, I suspect that that will feature tonight and uh, maybe even some football questions with Chelsea's prospects in the league, the FA Cup and the Champions League. Uh, but basically, we're happy to answer any questions you have. You ask and we will answer them. So there you go. Now, uh, don't forget that uh, you can listen to the show every Monday live. Live. Somebody's right. like, oh, well sorry, done. Finally, finally you so woke sorry. up. Yeah, live sorry. every Monday, 7pm by going to Mixler. That's uh, mixlr.com. Forward slash Chelsea hyphen fan Fancast where of course you can join in all of the chat. And there are many people who are doing just that Andy the Hutch, Joe Mingola, lovely Joe they there, excellent Danny Francisco, uh, Marook and uh, Vincenzo, the lovely Diana who was brilliant on the sleep out on Saturday night. Uh, and then Blue Bloke, uh, there we go. So there's a few in there, there'll be no doubt many more as well. So do come and join us on a monday night for that you know it makes sense right we'll be back after this break and we'll be getting the questions going Well, before we get the questions going, um, it is be holding upon me as we've got the absolute legend that is Mark Mean in the house, uh, who can report back on the what I just mentioned actually about Diana, the big Stamford Bridge sleepout. Uh, Forty of uh, of you know brilliant Chelsea fans were in, uh, were sleeping uh, under the East Stand uh, on Saturday night. Some of them, like me, were out and I was out in my kind of shed basically. Uh, which is a bit nippy, but not as nippy as the East Stand. But it was a very successful night. Lots going on wasn't there, Mark. How did it go?
7: Uh, I think it was probably the best ever, Chidge. Was that because I wasn't there? No, not not at all. I I think in terms of the response by people, um, we had so many good luck videos from current players, former players. Uh, We had uh, I lost count of how many videos that you did from Tales from the Shed that went down extremely well for the people trying to keep warm at Stamford Bridge. We had JK's three marvellous fanbites. I really loved the Austria Vienna one. But most importantly, actually, it was just the people. You know, the people that were there on Saturday night were just amazing. I met a load of Chelsea fans I'd never met before. i never met Di before. Just fantastic meeting Di. Did you give her
4: a big hug and a kiss from me?
7: I, I did, and I, 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 I kept my part in the bargain. I gave her a Terry's chocolate orange as well. <laughs> you know, so I'm a, man, I'm a man of my word. Um, and her friend, Maxine... Um, I met Chris Castley for the first time, Andy Young, Rob, so many brilliant Chelsea fans. It was sort of like, you know, suffered the cold on Saturday night. It was nice during the day, but the temperature clearly dropped Saturday. Uh, But I think the most important thing of all was, you know, we set out to raise 20,000 pounds because we raised 16,000 last year. Uh, I would still sort of be a tall order with everything happening with the economy, you know, with what's happening in Ukraine, you know, people do give generously a charity so their money could be stretched. So uh, as of I've just quickly checked now, if we add up, um, obviously, what people donated, uh, add up Gift Aid and also, which we've talked about on the show before, um, the proceeds from Tales from the Shed and Marco messaged me over the weekend as well. If you add all up there together, I think the current running total and I can't do a drum roll. I haven't got a drum near me. is currently running about £21,000. Yeah. So I think absolutely overwhelmed and, and blown away by that. And, and I, think, I think the money might still roll in because I think there's a few more weeks to go. So we're really pleased. But I think the most important thing on the night is why we did it. Yeah. And we did it for the Stoll veterans. And the chief exec from Stoll, bless him, Richard Gamage, he came out and slept out with us because he was so impressed with what we were doing as Chelsea fans. Um, but he brought with him this, this guy called Chris, who, a veteran, um, worked in the Intelligence Corps uh, and also served in the Falklands. And he told his story that he'd been living in Stoll for about a year, really struggled since finishing in the services. He only goes out once a day to Starbucks at Fulham Broadway to buy himself a coffee. He doesn't mix with people. He's, He's really struggling since being back on Civvy Street. And he's been back on Civvy Street for a number of years. But he felt... When he heard what we were doing as Chelsea fans, he felt he had to come along and say thank you. Um, and then he tells his story and then says at the end of it, oh, and by the way, um, Chelsea's my team. <laughs> uh, my, yeah, And his team was the 1970s team. And he was best friends with the late Peter Osgood. No way. Yeah, and, and that was it. Everyone said, no way. Uh, and he went to Ozzy's wedding. He knows Peter's wife. Um, and it was just such an amazing moment. He, you know, he doesn't set foot outside his flat. Yeah, so it just drove home to everybody. Do you know what? That's why we're here. You know, we're, we're helping make a difference in this guy's life. Um, so we spoke to him afterwards, and we've we've emailed him today, and hopefully he does come back. And we sort of said, look, if we can, you know, you know, can we sort out a ticket for you at a future Chelsea game? We'd love to bring you along because he used to go in the 1970s when Ozzy was playing. Uh, but also, and obviously, you know Neil Beard well. Neil's basically said, if we can get him down to the rows on a match day, Neil Neil will treat him to lunch as well. And I could see just as he was finishing, there's like a a tear in his eye, but there's a lump in everybody's throat. It was just an absolutely amazing moment on Saturday night. And I think everybody was there to hear him speak, was just completely blown away. And it just reinforced, we might be cold, we might be moaning. You know, one night doing it doesn't replace what normal rough sleepers do and what veterans have to go through. So we were just so pleased to be there for that moment. I don't think anyone filmed it. And probably it wasn't probably appropriate to film when he's telling his story, but again, amazing evening, 21,000 pounds made. Thanks to everyone who took part and thanks everybody donated. It just goes to show what a special football club Chelsea and their fans are.
4: I couldn't I put that better myself, uh, Mark. I think that's brilliant. And, uh... As Mark said, you can still um, you can still donate. I mean, the, the donation pages will be open for a while, so we can bump up that figure even more. And I'm really very delighted that we've we've hit the twenty thousand mark because that was what we were aiming for. But uh, uh, if you want to donate to me, being selfish, um, and also because I'm feeling ashamed that Mark has absolutely trounced me. I mean, talking about the Prem Predictions League, if Mark was as good at the Prem Predictions League as he was at raising money for the big sleep out he would be well ahead of even luke that's for sure but uh, and i am i am in the same kind of position that i am in the in the prem predictions league i'm ashamed to say but you can donate to my page at justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash david hyphen chidgy but the general one where you can you, you everybody who who took part you can see all of their pages on this particular link so you know you can choose who you want to donate to via this one which is just uh justgiving.com forward slash campaign forward slash Big Stamford Bridge Sleepout 2022. And I urge you to do it. And the other thing you can do, of course, um, is you could buy a copy of the fantastic paperback Tales from the Shed, uh, which I was reading out many excerpts. And by by the way, Mark, uh, you know, you mentioned how I did do rather a lot. And I, and I actually stopped doing any more because I was too pissed on all the whiskey I've been drinking. But the reason there were so many, <laughs> the reason there were so many, is I actually, I texted uh, Mark, I messaged uh, Marco, saying, um, mate, look, I, I'm really sorry. I haven't had time to read the book. Uh, can you can you suggest a few, um, you know, a few uh, excerpts for me to read out? And Mark said, no, yeah, no problem, mate. I'll I'll sort that out. So he, he, he sends me an email on, on Saturday kind of late morning with about, I don't know, more suggestions than I read out. Let's put it that way. And they're all brilliant. And of course, the, none of them were really to the length that they should be for the video. So I had quite a lot of trouble in the afternoon trying to to make that work. Which got harder the more of the whiskey I drank. So that's why there were so many. I do apologise, but there we go. Um- no, no,
7: I think I think people really because it was cold and it, you know there's not a lot you can do at Stamford Bridge at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. You know, you know, waiting, waiting for the lights to go out so you sleep. So as the videos are coming through, Dom's letting us know we're all going onto our phones and watching them, watching you, watching JK laughing along with it. And actually, you know, it, it was a really appreciative moment for the people there doing the sleep out. We look forward to, to the video. So thanks. Thanks. For, you know, there, weren't, there weren't enough. Yeah, we could, we could have done a few more into the night because there wasn't much sleeping going on in the end. You know, it's, it's hard to sleep. Yeah.
4: There we go. All right. Well, look, well done, Mark. Well done, everybody who was there. And thank you so much to anybody. And I know a few of you who are in tonight who donated to me. And I really, really appreciate it. Um, as I said, the Tales from the Shed book, uh, the best place to get it really is from the, the CFC UK stall on a match day. But if you can't do that, you can get it uh, via the eBay link at www.gate17books.co.uk. And, of course, you can get it uh, on Amazon as well, anywhere uh, in the world. And uh, you will be also donating to a very worthwhile cause if you do that. Now, I've got some questions here from the Alex, uh, from Alex Dave, not the Alex Davidson, although he might call himself the Alex Davidson. Um, and uh, I think it's probably a good idea to start off with this because this is probably going to get us well into the uh, the bidder and the sales situation, which I'm sure everybody's desperate to ask questions about. Um, So Alex says, hi, Chidge and kiddo. I've got a conflict that means I can't attend tomorrow's Zoom Q&A session. So I'm sending three questions for discussion. You can do with them what you will. Uh, The last one, the third one is more of a football one. So when we, when, and if we get onto football stuff, I'll ask that one then. But he, the first question is, do we care enough about the broader world issues that we, (coughs) that we want the next owner to be beyond reproach? or do we want another deep set of pockets to keep the trophies coming in with no questions asked? Jonathan, would you like to start the ball rolling on that?
5: Well, ideally we'd like both, wouldn't we really? I we'd would, like to, uh, with somebody as rich as Croesus and uh, with huge values. Um, and at the moment, uh, the little that I've gleaned, I'm not sure that um, in actual fact uh, they fulfil those obligations, but... Um, this is entirely through the, the rumor mill on Twitter, so I'm not really the man to uh, to ask about um, which ones are beyond reproach. Certainly, stuff creeping through makes us, um, uh, will make me worried. Uh, but on the other hand, would you ever find out if anybody was beyond reproach completely? I, I doubt that. Yeah. Um, I'm more concerned with if any of them are using leveraged money, which... Um, uh, would be anathema to the whole process, of course, and make us like uh, another United. So, um, uh, but the rumour mill has, as yet, I don't know which four, there are apparently four that have made it. And the uh, the the one with made up mostly of Chelsea supporters hasn't uh, got through. But once again, that could be... Uh, that could be all made up. I don't know.
4: Well, we, we don't know, do we? It's half a flaming problem. I mean, we've got Adam here, who I reckon will probably know a little bit more than us. Martin, yeah, so why ask me, Chidge? No, I, because, know because, I know nothing
5: about anything. But you just, you,
4: you uh, aren't, No, but you answered the question I asked you, which was... Oh, no, thank you very much. You, I had you, to did, go, you know, uh, you would really like both, which was the answer, really. Yeah, but, yeah, Martin, yeah. What, what do you recommend? Because I know you're quite genned
6: up on this as well. Allegedly, yeah. Um, I, don't know, sort of, I don't know if he's caring so much about broad world issues. He's just five years time do you want to be going through this again no. with you know the geopolitical shift somewhere else in the world beyond our control and then the omen we've powered up with are suddenly persona non grata in with the british government you know we now know we can now see that the legislation that was put in place was just nonsensical and now they're having someone pick it apparently you know roman was able to put 30 million quid in Last week, to presumably to cover the wage bill, yet we were told he couldn't put anything in. That was, was, was justly Kaku's wages as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, probably the food bill, unfortunately. There we go. <laughs> um, no, it's just you don't want to be going through this again, but what I would like to see is if you know, if Roman is getting hauled over the coals for his alleged links, then where there's been clubs with ownerships with proven links and nothing's happened. Let's let's see what's happened to us happen elsewhere. You can't apply one standard to Chelsea and then not apply it elsewhere. It's very, very true. Uh,
4: Tony, my old China, what say you? Uh,
8: well, I've got, I mean, because it kind of feeds into a similar question that you've got following this, but um, from, from Grant Mowat, but I, it's about balance. Look, there, there, there are going to be very few consortia that can buy the club at the prices or the cost being um, mentioned, uh, that won't have something shady in their past. And we've just lived under the last 19 or 20 years with Roman Abramovich. Whether he's got the alleged links to Putin, there seems very little doubt that he uh, got his money through either being very incredibly clever or incredibly exploitative. Probably a mixture of both. So he's hardly Mr. Clean, whichever way you cook at it, even if he's not a putin boy, um, you know, he's got some shade in his past. And I, I don't think you're going to come up if you're looking for the perfect owner with no dark history, no skeletons in the clubbed, uh Look at everybody on this fan cast now. Is there anybody in here that can honestly say they haven't done? Or said or thought something wrong in the past.
4: Yeah, me definitely.
8: Yeah, right. And Jonathan, okay. obviously. You forget I've had a pint with you. Mate, oh, but there shit, you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I I think we live in a society now where, and I've mentioned it on you know on here before. We we are living in you know with a group of people I call the offender files. These are people just looking for something uh, to be offended by or to feel wronged by or whatever, and, and you know. We can't live our lives like that. I think, you know, you you have to sort of go by the greatest utility and see which ones meet the strategy of the club, meet what the fans want as best they can. And at the end of the day, let's not forget, whoever buys this club, and I mentioned it last time, are going to be in the billionaire brackets, okay, and they are not going to want to buy into failure. Right, they're going to want to buy into success. They want to be. They want to bask in the reflected success of the club that they own. Okay, but will all their money backgrounds etc. be clean? No, I don't think they will be. I don't think anybody could be. If Bill Gates bought it, you would still look at and say he's exploited this, that, and the other um, in his past. And you don't get to be a billionaire or in that you know without there being a crime or something in the background. So I think. The fans should ask um, for broader world issues to be considered. But I I, I don't I think where, where it is very plain when you've got things like the Saudi media group who have you know, admittedly dropped out of the running now, um, that that is far more black and white than than say the, the 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 background of a Swiss businessman people are saying, Well, he's not a football man. That that's the one thing I've seen in my time. This this vice bloke or vice bloke or whatever, he's not a football man. Neither was Roman Abramovich. Mm. Let's be fair about that. He was not a football man when he bought the club.
4: You know what? I think it's... the club
8: to give himself uh, the air of respectability. It was a a bit of a front. Now, he may well have become a football man, but this idea that, you know that the the, the the ideal buyer has got to be a Chelsea fan. Can't have links with it. It's, it's well, it's it's
4: unlikely, isn't it? And there's a, there's it. another good yeah. argument against that, which I might go into later. I think it's a good time, Tony, to bring in Grant's email actually on, on the point about, mm. uh, about dodgy yeah. owners before I go to Mark and then get Adam to bring some sense into it and then actually open it up to the lovely people who have joined us. But Grant says, Good evening, Chidge, Jonathan and esteemed guests. Firstly, thank you for the great uh, and entertaining shows. Uh, this show, The show is always uh, my highlight of the mornings when I'm on my way to work. Um, I wanted to talk to you about one of the shortlisted bidders for the ownership for the best club in the world. Uh, Stephen Pagliuca Pag- Pagliuka? Pagliuka? Pa- Pagliuka. Pagliuka is currently the owner of the Boston Celtics, Atalanta and chairperson of the company Bain & Company. Bain & Company has a lot to answer for. Uh, f- uh, what has been allegedly accused in my country South Africa and after the Ricketts family in anti-Islamic emails I think many Chelsea supporters should also know what Bain and Company has done in South Africa and their role in state capture well Grant obviously you, you did put allegedly in there I have to say mate I have no idea what they may have been alleged to have done but I think it proves what Tony was saying that, that you know anybody who's made a lot of money is going to have crossed a few boundaries in their time I suspect ain't that true Mark
7: Yep, and I said it. I think a few weeks ago on the show that I said, you know, picking up on Tony's point as well. No one's pure. You know, if if we think someone out there has got a billion pounds, is sort of squeaky, squeaky clean, we we must be kidding ourselves on this. So if you make that kind of money somewhere along the way, you're either going to do something, yeah, might might sell close to the wind, or you're going to step over a few people a- a- achieving it. And I think that, that, that I think there has to be. I think we have to park the whole stuff on Twitter you know, and do this and do that. At the, at the end of the day, we aren't the decision makers. You know, we're not. The decision makers in this process fall down to sort of three groups. It's the Rain group, who've probably done the great bulk of their work for £30 million. Roman Abramovich, he still has a huge say in this process still, uh, and the British government. Yeah. And even within that, you know, there's a few skeletons in some of those closets as well. So again, no one is pure in, in this process. What you can hope for... Is you end up with a new owner, ideally, as is as beyond reproach as reasonably possible, uh, and you would also hope that the club continues to be successful. But the more important thing is that the club survives. That's more important than anything that Chelsea actually has a future. You know, whoever it is, and hopefully we get the right owner who will invest in the club. Um, but more importantly, that and I think Chelsea will survive. I'm, yeah, as you know, I'm an optimist, and I think Chelsea will have have a future. But you know, there's a lot of hysteria at the moment. And I'm always a great believer is actually take a deep breath. Let's see how this plays out. There's a, there's a lot still to happen. What I find fascinating is I thought the whole process was done and dusted with the four who've got through to the next stage. But it now appears that someone who's excluded might still come back into the process. Well, how does, that, actually, how does that work? I know, I know. That's what I'm hearing. And I, I don't know. Adam might know more than me. You know, so if someone can sort of find the where to means that they they knock back, yeah, you know, this is almost like the Champions League, you get knocked back and you get let back in again through another process. Yeah. Um If that is true, th- this makes this whole process bizarre, yeah. you know, you know how, how how this will work through. But I think, the, you know, irrespective of who it is, you hope they have the club's best interests at heart. You hope they are beyond reproach. But most importantly, they're in it for the long haul to sustain the future of this club. And I echo what JK said. If, if I have a fear, it's a Manchester United-type situation. Yeah, you know, we've been there with Uncle Ken and his £80 million pound euro, know, euro bond that nearly did for the club in 2003 before Roman took over, and the interest rates alone then were £8 million a pop. If one of the potential bidders are successful where they are borrowing the money, we're talking stratospheric interest payments. You could probably multiply that by 10 and then some. Yeah. You know. Which could that could put us out of business? The interest payments alone. So that's my fear. You have someone coming in who isn't a billionaire, hasn't got three billion, and actually is borrowing the money, and we forevermore will be paying it back like a mortgage as supporters. Well, i, I and they'll be taking the money out of the club.
4: I totally, totally concur with that, Mark. I really do, and, and I would hope that the that Roman and the Rain Group are taking that into consideration. And I think it's interesting, isn't it, that they've put in stipulations about having a billion available arguably for the stadium or, or something else but that they're, they're wanting them to invest. Adam uh, befalling to you is the difficult job of trying to make sense of that but that's exactly why I have you on the show Adam. It's exactly well and the and, and million other reasons obviously but um, a- Adam I, there's a pretty good uh, piece in the Athletic today that, that goes into American ownership which I had a quick scoot of and put some key points down and I think this, this particular paragraph uh, goes very nicely with what 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 Alex's question about having you know being beyond reproach because of course American investors as it says in the athletic are often pre-vetted by Wall Street uh, and this makes sources of income easier to ascertain and it's therefore more likely that potential American owners would pass the owners and directors test if they required to join the Premier League so there is that um there is also what everybody else has said which is you know basically nobody trusts where anybody gets their billions from but there is also the other very important thing is we we want to see this club, uh, you know, carry on doing as well as it has done, if not getting better, which is going to require a lot of investment. Uh, but also, we don't want that risk of that investment having come from places where they have to pay it back, which puts the club into jeopardy. So it is what I would define as a bit of a pickle.
0: Yes. Uh... <laughs> and anyway,
4: thank you, Adam. So there we go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I, th- I sort of echo a lot of what's been said already, really, in terms of yes i didn't want the club to, to to get involved with another questionable owner from a geopolitical situation because as martin said you don't want to be in this situation again five years down the line because of a, a shift in government policy or, or or whatever happens um as we've seen in the last month you cannot predict what's going to happen in the world i didn't want chelsea to be involved in a, the fallout of that yet again i mean yes and this isn't going to be Roman Abramovich, and and you know, yes, Roman Abramovich wasn't a Chelsea fan, didn't really get involved into football until shortly before buying the club, so I don't think it's a prerequisite that Chelsea need to have a Chelsea supporting owner, um, and that can come with its own problems if they do. Um, in terms of the American ownership situation, I think the Ricketts family... Uh, have, have made it harder for themselves um, through their own um, ignorance. And I'm not sure where we'll end up um, with Pagliuca as well, um, because he has come to it late, but he also has a, a, a majority sh- uh, ownership of, of Atalanta, which he'd have to sort of untangle himself of. Um, it's the same um, for the, the sort of money behind the Broughton bid as well. Um, and then you've got the Todd Burley sort of facing it and, and you know, he's, he is a, as a bloke has seen, said some interesting things about sort of owning a club and wanting that club to be successful. But again, you have the question of how are they going to finance this? And that is the the billion dollar plus question, I suppose, of, of what is the next Chelsea ownership going to look like and how are they going to run the club? I would hope that I'm not expecting another Roman Abramovich, to be honest. I don't think Chelsea are ever going to get that. I think they are going to have to change how they run the club a little bit. It may have to be more self-sustaining than it was because you don't have this guy who's willing to pump in his own cash and and not really care. But that doesn't mean Chelsea don't have to be competitive in that way. I do think there are examples of of being smartly run, of having good recruitment and everything, uh, that can sort of build into the club and make it self-sufficient going forward, which is probably not a bad thing for Chelsea Football Club longer term.
4: Yeah, I mean, it can work, obviously. And uh, I mean, I think one of the interesting things I picked up from the athletic piece was that, um, you know, when you when you have businessmen running a club, OK, there are all sorts of, uh, you know, downsides to that, as I'm sure we can talk about later. But you you don't get what they call the eccentric owners, like like Roman, who, who didn't run it as a business and would do things at a whim, like fire managers every season. So you, you quite often get more stability with businessmen running it, because businessmen like stability, because stability tends to mean they make profits. So there, there, it's 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 a very nuanced thing. Now I am going to open this up, and uh, Pierre was clearly reading my mind because he put his hand up before I even said that. So Pierre, it's over to you, mate. Don't forget to unmute yourself.
10: Yes, I was just thinking, um, what do you think about our position of where we are now as a club? Um, it feels to me as though we're in the best possible position for this. I know none of this is planned, but if you think of you know first of all Thomas Tuchel obviously who we've got and what a fantastic coach he is but also just how young our squad is and the talent and potential we have there it's not like it needs a big rebuild it's it can certainly sustain itself while we go through this transition and we still I know we've had a bit of difficulty recently losing some of our best players like Lee Ramento and so on but we still do have a good a really good academy setup and that's thanks to Roman obviously mm. so it feels to me as though it's very uncertain, obviously, but it feels like we're in the best sort of position we could sort of reasonably hope for. I don't know what you think.
4: Yeah, who, who wants to have a pop at that one? Tony, Mark? Yeah, I, I, I
8: don't mind. I, I, I tend to agree. You know, whichever, whatever you think of the way Roman uh, has run the club, and you know, he's a, he's pissed me off plenty of times with his trick of finger um, on managers that I've liked. You know, there's no doubt that there's a blueprint, more than a blueprint for success there now this Came in as a disruptor model, you know, disrupted what was effectively a duopoly in English football between Manchester United and Arsenal. Uh, and, you know, there's no other club. I'd rather break that up than us. And we've had enormous amounts of success. The, I think the academy is now showing, uh, you know, the, the fruits um, of all of the, the, the time and money that's gone into it. Um, but it took a long time, you know, prior to the last couple of years. And I would say even prior to Frank Lampard coming in under, you know, the, the restrictions he had at the time, it had been merely, really, just been a production line, uh, a kind of income stream for the club, because no one had really stepped forward and, and, and made that huge jump into the first team on a regular basis. I believe before Hudson Odoi and Loftus Cheek in the Sarri season, you know, John Terry was probably the only one that had, had come through, if you like, and, and, and gone on to great things. Now we're looking at a. A plethora of these sort of players so I think you're right it's critical we hold on to Tuchel um, I, I, I had to put my hand up um, I think I did it at the last one of these and say you know there was a, if someone wants to go back through my incredibly dull tweets they'll probably find a point after Frank Lampard pre-Tuchel where I referred to Tommy Tuchel as a no mark I think um, which is one of my more diplomatic um, uh, phrases that I use for people I don't like um, and he's won me over completely, utterly, 100% won me over. And I vowed, vowed, I'd never get emotionally attached to another coach as long as I lived.
5: I remember um, it. I remember yes. you vowing.
8: Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so you know, my word is not as good as my bond. It's fucking useless. Don't listen to my word is yeah. what I would we say. We try
4: not to, Tony.
8: Yeah, yeah. Never tr- never trust me if I say and I'll get the next rounding. <laughs> I, I remember
5: would... you being very rude about Tuco. I remember yes,
8: I, I was, Jonathan. And, um, uh, uh, you know, and you and I have often disagreed over things. And I'm, but like I said, th- that noise you can hear outside is the humble pie
5: lorry pulling up outside my house. <laughs> it's, me. it's been it's been going around the house a lot recently. It's, it? it's
8: got more less a permanent parking place on my drive. <laughs> but I would say this, I, I agree with you, Pierre. I think we have, we are in a very good position. You know, there aren't many clubs that would be put up for sale. Look how long it took Newcastle. You know, look how long this is a massive club in the northeast. How they keep telling us, uh, you know, a, a, a one city club, a one club city. Sorry, it's very
4: big in um, Newcastle, Tony. To be yeah, saying.
8: exactly. But it's you know you can't deny it. it's got a, 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 a huge base of support up there in that city. But it took them bloody ages to get them sold. But Tony, and it's here Newcastle. We've it's got Newcastle, P- though. Yeah, I know, but we've got people tripping over ourselves, uh, over themselves, to get in on this. You know, we, we, it's not like we've had... Because just, we're Chelsea, Tony. Yeah, yes. but, I, you know, I, I would I would dispute, even, if, you know, I'm, I'm not sure Arsenal or Spurs or any of them other teams, other than Man, Man, Man United and Liverpool, would be uh, in such a bidding war, if you like, for it. And I think that, that org as well, it, you know, it, it's it, it's a seller's market in that sense. You know, we can sit there and we can produce the list that says... You need to be this, this, and this and this, and you need to have this much behind you.
5: You're one of the best. I, teams I in the agree with
8: Pierre. I think we are in a very, very good position. But that maintaining that or maintaining something approaching that is the is the critical thing going forward.
5: Definitely. But I think you're doing us down a bit there. we're, the, we're one of the most we're the, one of the best teams in the world. Completely elite, brilliant, elite club. Why wouldn't they be? I think that's oh, what
4: he's saying, JK, in his yeah, roundabout way. He, he,
5: in a roundabout way, yeah, but I, I was thinking of the lorry going round.
4: <laughs> You're focused on that humble pie, mate. Uh, <laughs> have you not eaten?
5: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the, the pie crust would have to be gluten free. True, the tro- true, uh.
4: true. I look. I mean, for what it's worth, I, I, I think that uh, and uh, I, I, Adam knows this because because I've got I've got a, a piece in the pipeline for not a piece of humble pie. I hasten to add, but uh, an article in the pipeline for Adam this week, but. You know, which I'm going to call evolution, not revolution, because the reality is, uh, Pierre, I'll address this to you because you asked the question, that what Roman did for this club is to put it in a remarkably brilliant position. I mean, OK, we've won all the trophies, we're the best you know, team in the world because we won the world champion, all that kind of stuff. But he's actually invested in a world-class academy, world-class coach. I think Tuchel's arguably one of the best, if not the best in the world. We've got world-class players, world class academy world class women's team and there's some very world class people working in all areas at chelsea so you talk about a really good foundation for somebody to buy you know you're talking about this is this is you know top of the tree you know this is harrods or whatever they're buying this is not aldi they're buying you know and by the same by the same token there doesn't i don't think an awful lot should change and what really worries me about a new owner is that they do have a penchant for throwing out the baby with the bathwater because they want to put their stamp on it. And actually, I don't think there's an awful lot you should change. There are some things I think we should change, which I won't bore you all with now. Read the article, it'll all be in there. But, uh, you know, seriously, I don't think there's a lot, an awful lot one should change, but there are some changes to make. But what they shouldn't do is is change what's already been proven to be very successful and working. So uh, I don't know, anybody want to follow up on that from the fancasters or any of the, the, the guests like to pop in with something?
6: Martin? nothing really to follow up on. I mean, the one thing that does interest me from this article is um, Todd, Todd Burley and his, um, his views on media rights. Mm. When, when Sky and BT realise he's going to come in, if should his takeover be successful and that, that then he then wants to eat their lunch, how they're going to react. I suspect it's going to be in much the same way Sky reacted when they realised their, the value of their TV rights of the Premier League would be impacted by the European Super League.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is as you know, Martin, because we've had we've had many a pint discussing this, and this is a real a hobby horse of mine, actually, because I, I th- and actually Tony too, actually, because I mm, think this came yeah. to light when we were, you know, when they actually had all the games on for free, and uh, the non-league or lower-league clubs were were doing them on a on a dodgy feed for about ten quid a match, but uh, of course Real Madrid and Barcelona famously. Uh, sell their own media rights which is why they have so much money because they're huge clubs and everybody around the world who supports Real Madrid or Barcelona pays a subscription fee to watch their matches of course we don't do that in this country we have a collective bidding process which has led to the Premier League becoming the, the best and the greatest and all the rest of it in the world certainly the richest because they sell those rights collectively around the world and they get a fortune for it and that's what stoked the growth in the game here so if we were to walk away from that one it would completely explode I suspect that wonderful Premier League bubble that we've all been relying on for getting loads of money. And two, it would have the same kind of disruptive element as the European Super League did that Martin was saying. Because mm. basically, you know, collective bargaining will go down the toilet because Liverpool will want in on their own deal, Arsenal will want in on their own deal, Man United will want in, and so on, so on, so on. Which means the same kind of thing that would happen as we were seeing with the Euro- European Super League. Anybody outside, say, the top six will be, be, be screwed because they won't have the benefit of a, of a, an attractive collective bid to put worldwide because people will want to watch the top six clubs. So if Chelsea do this, or if Bo- Boley wants to do this, and I think he does, and I think that Ricketts will want to do that too because it is the American way, you could spell the death knell of the tri- of the pyramid, which we went marching out on the streets to protest against. So I, ha- I also happen to believe that it's possibly... I did a little back-of-the-fag-packet maths on this, and I think... Um, an individual deal by Chelsea would reap them probably far more money than they get from the Premier League so it's good that with that if Bowley or any of the Yanks gets in I think that's going to be a very interesting question and we're going to have to look at ourselves very hard before we you know gleefully go oh yes please we'll have all that money because in doing so we could destroy what makes the English game great end of sermon who wants to come in on that one? Adam actually I think you might have some inf- interesting insight onto that one
0: I mean, I, w- I was going to say that La Liga did tweak their TV rights a few years ago and yeah. Real Madrid can't just sell it anymore on Barcelona. Uh, Madrid Barcelona
6: objected, it. didn't they? They yeah, were the only two do. who objected to the deal.
0: Yes, I think it's now 50% is shared equally and then mm. the other 50% is based on league positions and I think it's sort of social uh, impact or some nonsense to ensure that Real Madrid and Barcelona still made more than everybody else. But it's a bit more equal. Um, but no, that would be. It'd be interesting to see what happens um, in that respect because you you kind of wonder how long the, the Sky, BT Sport, domestic TV rights, overseas TV rights, how long this will keep going. Because I've always wondered why the Premier League don't do it themselves, to be honest, and do. And I know this has been discussed elsewhere, sort of a Netflix-style offering where you can watch every game. If you want for of your team, you can watch every other game, and you pay a flat fee of X pounds a month, and and there you go. That's your Premier isn't, League well, service.
8: If, if you think isn't about what it, Amazon have done though.
4: Well, that, that's right, Tony. But if you think about it, how I mean, it'd be interesting to hear from some of the Americans that are in here. Uh, so, or, or Aaron, Ashes in Canada, I know, but similar kind of buy-up and Trey and Craig. Um, but anyway, before that, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because. As I said, that back of the fag packet thing, it would make it very, very attractive. I think it could possibly work if uh, the clubs that went independent were, uh, you know, in a sense taxed by the Premier League to make sure that the, you know, the rest of the Premier League clubs and, and, and the lower leagues, in fact, don't suffer uh, as a consequence, which, of course, I think they would if if that didn't happen. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I mean, I don't
0: remember how in bed Sky Sports and the Premier League are and have been now for 30 years. So to sort of break away would be quite the step. It the would moment.
4: be huge. It would be huge. But if you think about it and, you know, we pay, I reckon we pay what? 40 quid a month for Sky? Pubs yeah. pay way more. Then I have to have uh, Amazon Prime. So that's another eight quid a month. You know, if you, if, if, I mean, I've got Virgin rather than Sky, so I get BT Sport and Sky, so I do quite well with that. But if you were on Sky, then you'd have to get separate for BT as well. I mean, yeah. it, so, you know, you could be paying, I don't know, what, 60, 80 quid a month maybe to watch your football, and actually the only bloody team you want to watch is Chelsea. I don't want to which watch is, Burnley v Norwich. I don't is, give a shit.
8: Which goes back to my point about, um, you know, Sky and, yeah, people are sort of going on... You sort of saying, "Oh, we're the Premier League and and the fact that the European Super League, the, you know, the Premier League have shown they're not for the fans." They showed it before yeah. the European Super League, so let's not get too well, nostalgic about the lovely Premier kickoff League kickoff
4: times. T- kickoff kick times, Tony.
8: Exactly. So you've got all of that. Now, I've, I've said, I've let's said this for years since I've been on the fan course, fancast, and on the podium show before. If a company like Facebook or Apple or Amazon come in with global rights, right, they, they whatever sky think they can sell it on for don't forget amazon is global truly global they're charging eight quid a month for amazon prime they're probably raking in more money per day than sky does a year and for that you get to choose which game you want to watch you get to choose you don't sit there and go super sunday is aston villa versus brentford (laughs) it's what it might be for the aston villa and brentford fans and it might be that's nice. That, to Tony, that's
4: that Tony. That's more. That's more supine Sunday. I. Guess. Yeah,
8: but it's you know for 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 post Sunday lunch sitting there watching football that you don't really give a shit about, then it's fine. My view is is that Amazon are the biggest threat here. And 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 that if, if, if you know if they jump into bed with the Premier League, they get in, they get in the Premier League gets instant global coverage, right? And you don't have this ridiculous situation where I can go to France, for my annual sojourn down to the mobile home and watch Chelsea games when you lot can't because they're away from home mm.
4: yeah it's rubbish isn't it And plus the fact yeah. you have to put up with the dodgy streamers. So so many of us do uh, now yeah. Daryl very politely put his hand up so I'm going to go to Daryl next but while while Daryl's talking if one of the Americans would like to give us a bit of an insight as to what it's like uh, accessing football on tv over there I would be very grateful Ash has got his hand up so I'll go to him after Daryl Daryl
1: Um, I just, well, sorry to drag it back to the ownership situation, but um, the Rain group have come in and said that this will be done by the end of April, whereas this is a $3 billion company, which an acquisition like that usually takes six months average. Do we think it's being rushed? Is it it just a necessary evil because of the contract running out? Mm. Or would an owner... Is a bad owner going to slip through and get it? Well, that's the worry, Not isn't necessary. it? I mean, that is
4: that is the worry, and I suspect that they're probably having to rush it because number one, the government don't want to be accused of causing a massive issue, which is potentially us going bust. That would be my view. But Mark, we haven't heard from you for a while. What do you think, mate?
7: No, I think Daryl's point is a, a is a really good point. Yeah, you know, if you if you're buying a house or buying a flat um, for like a few hundred thousand, like yeah, you know, there's a, there's a timeline attached to it, and you know. Uh, and we're trying to sell a football club with assets, you know, to the value of three billion in like the equivalent time. Yeah. And there is a real, real risk that by rushing it through, you end up with absolutely the wrong people, you know, r- running this football club going forward. Because I'm a firm believer in, you know, when you do deals like this involving that amount of money, there needs to be a phenomenal amount of due diligence that needs to take place. Yeah. And, how much can you do in the sort of like the, the shop window they've actually made available? You know, so that, that's, a, that's a real risk. Real... The other thing, I had my hand up as well um, on the TV side of things. I, I think Amazon very much is the dark horse of this. I would be interested to know, you know, is this a loss leader so far for them charging £8? But the product really works. So, and I'm a big fan of it, not just because I've got Amazon Prime, but that point is absolutely made. You know, You have that scenario where they've always said, oh, you, know, you can't have games kicking off at 3 o'clock you know, on TV because other games are on. But you know, Amazon is a really good example, not at 3 o'clock, where all the games are on at the same time on a couple of occasions they've had, you know, usually over the Christmas period. And as a consumer, you know, I only want to watch Chelsea fans. As I said I'm not interested. But Burnley can watch Burnley, and Brighton fans can watch Brighton, and Norwich fans can watch Norwich. And all the games are on at the, at the same time. That is the way forward. Rather than super bloody Sunday... Yeah. Yeah, and unless you're a genius, like you know, it's the same teams always on a Super Sunday. I don't think I've ever seen Burnley versus Brighton on Super Sunday. You know, they're 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 always the sort of game on a Monday night, or the rare occasions where games were put on on Thursday. It's always the same five or six on Super Sunday. You know, playing. You know, perhaps one of the other if they're not playing each other. Very interested where Amazon goes with all of this.
4: Well, I mean, I've written about this before, but I I do think. I mean, I've been predicting, a bit, I'm a bit like that bloke who stands outside Stamford Bridge with one of those sandwich boards on, saying the more end of the... More fish. Yeah, more, the, fish. more fish. The end of the world is nigh. Or nigh. Well, the bloke with the megaphone, Christ the Redeemer, that bloke, yeah, remember yeah. Yeah. But I, I do feel like the bloke with the sandwich board saying the Premier League bubble is going to burst. I've been saying it for so long now, and like a broken clock, I will be proved right one day. But I do think it will, and I, I, I write about this a couple of years ago, and I talked about FANG, Fang is not a, a, an evil-looking cat or even a dog, but it's an acronym of Facebook, Amazon, Netflix uh, and Google. And these were predicted to be the new entrants into the football TV rights market. And uh, Mark and Tony are bang on about Amazon, but it'll be very interesting to see where that goes because these guys have got pots of money. And, and I think the sky... Sky's business model was always to use the cricket and the football as a lost leader to get subscriptions. But I can't see that model lasting forever. And I think that they will probably want to pull out at some stage. But we shall see. Um, Ash, sorry, you've been waiting. Sorry, go on, JK, very quickly and then I'll get Ash in.
5: I'll answer Daryl's question there. Surely that due diligence can be as quick as you want it to be. You know, if the government would be very
4: diligent if it was quick, though, would it?
5: No, but at the same time, if you get large numbers of people working on it, if RAIN yeah. employ more lawyers than they normally would because they'd be given the directive... Good point. ...that they need to get it, and the the money is up, money's up front for
6: it... It'd be a um, hell of a data room, wouldn't it? So they need to yeah. get all that together yeah. and then let them have access. Yeah, I but non- non- a... nonetheless,
5: if that's yeah. the directive... And the and Chelsea Chelsea aren't mugs here. We're not having yeah. a situation where they're going to be thinking, oh, it's something will slip through. I don't believe that's ever going to be yeah. the case. I, I think, think they're, we're dealing with huge amounts of money. I really yeah. don't think somehow somebody's going to s- slip through the net. I, I think it's going to be just as diligent as it would be, even if it was a, um, a, a you know a, a normally be six months. I think it yeah. would just be the impact would be exactly the same. Yeah,
8: due diligence for company takeovers and the the like is usually done by uh, you know whoever the appointed legal group is or audit group it could be kpmg or someone like that yeah Um, and it's not in their interest generally to rush it because obviously the longer the due diligence takes the more more money they're going to get
5: but if they've been given the money up front or told you will get this money according yes so yeah it will be
8: just a case of you know if you uh, you, just you know there's a coronavirus vaccine happened so yeah. quickly and stick yeah. with me on this one because
4: yeah. so much money was thrown at it yeah yeah, yeah exactly it's
8: about results.
6: And, and, and because and because a lot of the processes that were normally done sequentially were done side by side to speed up the process exactly.
4: I, exactly I i i don't necessarily think it'll be a problem i think the one thing that i read that was interesting this week i don't know if adam saw this but uh chelsea in the second uh stage when they've got the shortlist will actually open up their books to the bidders which of course is utterly fair and reasonable in a, in a in a purchasing situation but it makes me wonder if if you know that means that any of the losing bids will then have what would be very very secret information about chelsea and and all the financial details about it and how it operates which is actually really, you know, crucial competitive information. They could go and buy another club and then they'll go, well, we know how to screw Chelsea. I mean, maybe that's just how my mind works. I don't know.
8: But They would normally have to operate all of that under what they call an NDA.
4: Well, that's true. But there's NDAs and there's yeah. NDAs, mate.
8: There is, of course. But, um, uh, you know, you've got there's uh, authorities in this country like the Competition and Markets uh, uh, Authority, yeah, they watch this stuff with a very, very close eye. You they know? do so indeed. The idea of government incompetence is true to a degree, but these these sort of quangos are very, very yeah. hot on this I, sort I, of
6: stuff. I, so,
4: yeah. I, we have to kind of, as they always used to say, uh, particularly the Sar- 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 Sarismos, trust the process. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm going to go to a- Ash first because I promised him ages ago and then Oscar. Hey,
9: um, so in, in regards to the television watching over here and streaming and such, right? That's kind of where we drifted from to here, or from drifted from and now back there. So over here in Canada, fortunately we have uh, right now The Zone, which shows all Champions League, all Premier Leagues, and the League Cup. The only thing we don't get on it is the FA Cup, which you have to watch somewhere else, but it's all live streaming. So when there's all those games on at the same time, we can go down at, you know, 3 p.m. your time and uh, click on our Chelsea game and watch that and don't have to worry about it. You can also do like a, a red zone kind of thing where, or goal, goal zone or something like that where you kind of just watch it. There's the commentators <clears throat> and then uh, they they bring in the game and show you the screen when there's a goal or leading up to a goal. Kind of like what they would do for the NFL over here in North America when you would uh, be watching for all the points and everything that everybody's getting. So it's really, it works really well for us, which is a lot better than before when we had it on regular cable. And then you had to purchase one additional channel, which was called Sportsnet World, which replaced Satanta Sports. And typically you'd have the biggest games would be shown on that channel. So like your top six playing each other. So if you didn't pay $20 a month for that channel, you didn't get to see any of those games or you'd have to find a dodgy stream. So right now, for us, it works really well. We don't have anything on um, Amazon, but I'm hearing rumors that DAZN might not have premiership rights for the 2022-23 20, season, so we might be back to seeing what they, they offer us, but the beauty of it is it's, I think it's a subscription for about $150 a year, and... I give my mom my password and she downloads the app on her TV so she can watch it at the same time I'm watching it. So we kind of, kind of cheat them a little bit, but it's what we got to do to watch our sports. And I think, I think Claire might have oh, an yeah, insight to say,
4: Yeah. Cheers. Ash. Sure. I'm, I'm going to bring yeah. Claire in and then Craig's got an excellent point about what it's like in the U S which is, which is hopefully going to bear out the point I wanted to make as well. Claire.
3: Okay. Yeah. Just to follow up on what Ash was saying, to zone is actually losing, um, the ownership, but it's going to Fubo, so it will be the same model, just with a different provider. I guess the other thing I would say um, that works really well with what we have in Canada is that um, if there's two games you really wanna watch and they're on at the same time, you can watch the next one because they have it on for like 24 hours. So, you know, you can, you can pick and choose what you watch if you wanna watch more than one. Um, so I'm hugely in favor of, of how it works for us.
4: Okay. Craig, you've got a great point, mate, about what it's like to watch the matches in, uh, Chelsea matches in the US.
11: Yeah, we have to have like four different subs. So FA Cup and uh, League Cup are on ESPN+. Plus, and then I have to have Peacock for some matches. I have to have some sort of either streaming or cable subscription for the USA Network. And then we have um, uh, Paramount Plus for Champions League and other European stuff. So we have to have like four different subs to watch it. Um, I do wish um, they would spread out some of the matches more because, you know, uh, while my focus is Chelsea, I would like to catch some of the other stuff live. So I wish they'd have different time windows um, spread out, on, especially on Saturday, so we can catch more of them over here as opposed to having to watch them delay. But I know, I know, that's a that's an American problem.
4: Well, yeah, but that my point is, Craig, is that, you know, Tony and I were talking about it you know, one thing I would say about it being on Sky, I mean, I know we've got Sky, BT, and it is all over the place a bit, so it's not dissimilar. But, you know, we have to pay for Amazon, we have to pay for Sky, we have to pay for Mm. BT. So it's not dissimilar, actually. And I think that's one of the reasons why if Chelsea were in control of all their media rights and they weren't out on one platform, their own platform, that would mitigate any of those issues, which is what makes it quite attractive for me, but notwithstanding the impact it would have on the game over here. Oscar, sorry to keep you waiting, mate.
1: Yeah, hi. Um, well, I've got a question, Can I want a second question that's topical, but actually, what's related to this, what is interesting about Sky Sports, so I actually called Sky Sports in the, all, all the abuse that we were getting from Sky Sports and Jamie Carragher, I actually called him up to counsel my Sky Sports membership to explain <laughs> Jamie Carragher, well, oh, I, I don't like Jamie Carragher, oh, yeah, we get a lot of complaints as well from him as well, they said, but they gave me a deal to stay somehow, anyhow. But my, my question, I've got a two-point question, if you don't mind, Jude. one to Adam, um specifically adam um you're hearing now we, we're, we're there's now a short list of bidders and it reading between the lines, is saying now the bidding process will ex- extend to the end of may is, is what's suggesting so how how are the club going to finance that is going to be a tweak in the in the criteria and in the specific conditions for us to fund the plays do we know that because initially we thought it was going to be done by the end of march april we thought initially but it seems now it won't be done to the end of the season so how What's the the, the nuance around that, do we know?
0: I think the latest plan is to try and get it done by the end of April, if they can. Uh, I think the deadline for second bids is April the... 11th. 11th, thank you, Judge. I've been off for the last five days, you can tell. (coughs) Um, So, yeah, I think the deadline for second bids is April the 11th, and in an ideal world, Chelsea will want this done by the end of April. Whether or not that happens, I don't know. The current licence runs until the end of May for Chelsea to see out the season. There have been quite a lot of tweaks made to that license already for Chelsea to continue operating and now to sell tickets and for Roman Abramovich to put money into the club to keep it going, which, you know, I guess from the UK government's perspective, it's money going into Chelsea. It's not money Abramovich is keeping. So I can see their logic in that. Um, But yeah, the plan, I think, is for the end of April. Whether or not it happens is anyone's guess at the moment, but that would only give them a month to get it all done.
4: Mm. okay Martin you wanted to come in quickly
6: yeah there was something on Sky Sports News today about apparently the go- rain and the government will be presented with the options on April the 18th or the week commencing April the 18th mm-hmm. so, I, as well. so <laughs> I presume the second bids are on the 11th and there's a preferred a preferred bidder from the following week and I'm, I'm hopefully I'm my way of thinking would be once there's an agreement in principle, then the licence can be adjusted and as close to business resuming could um, come back. But who knows? Everything changes. I mean, it's quite interesting listening to also the TV outline in Canada, Canada and the US. I mean, the red zone type thing that you described, we actually have that here, but not on a Saturday because you aren't allowed to show even highlights of goals as they go in. So you can show it for the Champions League group games, BT Sport, do that in the group stage if like on the last day of the championship season everything's on the Sunday and they can show the highlights on soccer Saturday as the goals go in it's faintly ridiculous but that's what happens when you've got rules that were put in place in 1960 that are still present today well is that
4: the the great irony is as most of the you know the North Americans who are with us tonight will know is that if it's an away game that we can't go to invariably we're watching the same stream as they
6: are yeah, well, we're watching a NBC Link or
4: something, yeah, aren't we? Yeah,
6: yeah, exactly. So there you go, Oscar. You had a second question.
1: Yeah, this is a, wide, a kind of wider question to the, to the guys. You know, um, topical as well. You know, we're all like myself. I've been a Chelsea fan since the late '70s, and we're kind of financially and emotionally addicted to our football club. Like, like you said in the past, it's like it's a drug, right? Mm. Especially now, where we're kind of targeted as fans that like you somehow complicit in this whole crazy stuff that's going on. You know, how do you guys emotionally, you know, do you guys, you know, this addiction, do you, you know, the highs and lows of supporting Chelsea currently now, how do you manage that? Do you guys embrace it, or do you hide through the, through uh, <laughs> We drink. Yeah. Yeah, drink. <laughs> 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 like, I used
6: to. <laughs>
9: yeah. Um,
6: it's
1: a good question.
4: Well, I, Sorry, go on, go on, Oscar.
8: I was going to say, I don't, um, I don't hide um, away from it, to be honest with you. I, I, I I've calmed down uh, over the years. That's probably just an age thing. Um, but the ups and downs and, and the, the financial... You know, I, I would say for the last five years, I have probably at some point said to the guy who sits next to me, who Chid knows, a guy called Atilio, I don't think I'll bother renewing my season ticket. He says this every year. Yeah. And then it pops on my mat or I get the email. And guess what? I'm there, you know, capping hand, going to my missus, shall we do it on tick? Um, or you're going to give me the money or should we just take it out of savings? She knows as well as I do. I'll come home from games and I'll just say, you know, whatever. And she'll say, I'm bored with you now. Shut up. You know you're going to renew. You know, because I'll go to one game. There'll be one game in a season where I'll think that has paid me back. okay. my my season ticket money. Everything that's going on, uh, and, and I'll put it into perspective for you, Oscar, I've supported them since 1970. So... I think that probably puts me second behind JK in, in length of time, you know. Leng, length support. of
4: suffering, Tony, get it Leng, right. Length
8: of, yeah, or length of service, as I prefer to put it, but length of suffering, Chuji's right. Um, and you know, I've seen us nearly go bankrupt two or three times, uh, and almost completely lose our ground. We would have ended up jumping for for goalposts on, on, you know, um Ilbrook Common or something like that, you know. We'd merge, um, wouldn't we? We'd emerge with Fulham. We'd have yes, been uh, and Valley, I remember Valley Cottages or something. Yeah, Marla, David Ballstrode, you know Marlow Estates and
4: Chelsea and Cottages and. probably would have been, you know, more out if you think about it. Yeah,
8: but I, I, I think you're right. I mean, you, you you get to deal with it. I think we we went on a, a real outing, me, Cheech, and a few of the other lads, uh, not long after we'd won the Champions League in 2012. And I said to Chid, I stood on the platform at the time, I said, we've seen it all now, haven't we? So can we retire as fans? And he just sort of laughed and went, it's a lovely idea, but you know you're not going to. And I think that's the way it is. I think you just, you end up dealing with all this stuff. I mean, I've been, I don't know how many years I've been on Twitter and I used to be quite a reactive, uh, jumping on people, pile on sort of person. And I don't now. I look at a lot of the stuff. A lot of hysteria is being spoken about. Um, I, I deliberately haven't, done the hashtag note of Rickets because I don't know enough about it. Um, and I'm not going to get a say in, you know, they're not going to ring me up, Rain Group, and say, here, um, Tone, uh, quick word in your ear roll we've whittled it down to these, what do you reckon? It's just not going to happen. So you, I can only describe my own attitude these days as very much going with the flow. Mm.
7: Mark? Yeah, I think a really good question, Oscar. I think, yeah, I think where I am, I think my first game was like 1971. Chelsea, so I'm a li- just a little bit behind Tony, a little bit further behind J.K., and I think I'm I'm in that place there. Uh, gone through all of that. Tony described as well, so you know I don't lose my shit anymore. I've long since stopped losing my shit when Chelsea lose. I think I I I look at things quite rationally now. You know, and just see where we've been on this journey in the last few years. If you'd said to me, you know, I remember back in the '90s, I'd have taken an FA Cup win in 1997, and that's it. We're done. Yep. You know, I'm happy with the FA Cup. But then, as Tony said, you keep coming back. Yeah. I thought, oh, we're in Europe next year. Oh, I'd love to see us win a European trophy. I was too young for acid. So then you win the European trophy. It's a cup winner's cup. Oh, well, I'll stop when we win the league. Then we win the league. Yeah. And I thought, oh, what about the Champions League? And it, it goes on and goes on. And I remember exactly as Tony said, being on a train back um, from Munich up to Bremen the day after the final, and four of us sitting in the carriage. And we thought, yeah, we've won it all now will we stop and you pause one second now we probably won't you know and we carry on and 10 years later we're still here but again mark, like, aren't we always
5: looking for perfection mark isn't that what it is don't you think aren't we I looking
7: for? I, I, I don't know if it's like looking for perfection I, I think it is as tony describes it you know you go you know because you want to see your team win and there's several times during a season where you come out and say do you know what that's why i go to football yeah yeah and I'll, I'll I'll give an example. I've said it sometimes before. I've got into non-league football in recent times as well, so I see through see a different lens as well. And and there's games sometimes. Uh, and yeah, there's, there's a really good example on Saturday. I was at the Wheelstone Bromley game, which was a dull game, by the way. But you saw that Dover were beating Wrexham five-two in the National League. Yeah, now Dover only won one game you know, like that the last two years. So you'd know, have loved if Dover had wins, just from the Dover fans' point of view. And Dover go into injury time 5-4 up. (laughs) And Wrexham beat them (laughs) 6-5. And you put yourself straight away. Then we were talking about it at the sleepout Saturday night. All we were talking about was Wrexham. And imagine being a Wrexham football fan at that moment on Saturday when you come back to win 6-5. You'll say, that's why I go to football for moments like that. You don't go for the nil-nils, even though... I've seen some good nil nils and stuff. You go for moments like that, those last minute winners. You know, it isn't just about the trophies. It's about seeing something happen that's amazing on the pitch for 90 minutes. Also, including some players that you see down the years. Like we've talked about here about Rude Hullet. I consider myself really fortunate for that one season where Rude Hullet was playing. I've always said he's the best player I've ever seen on a Chelsea pitch for mm-hmm. that one season alone. Yeah. And that's also why you go to football. Yeah. yeah.
4: Absolutely. Uh, JK. As the most distinguished and uh, the elderly statesman of the fan who's who's been coming back more than any of us put together, why, oh, why do you do it?
6: It's Affection. a great
5: point. It's a great argument. I don't. I think it's the desire just to see them win every time. It's that kind of whether that's just in my nature. It's the, it's the wanting to see. Ever since I was little, all I wanted to do was see the ball in the back of the net and everybody just coming back to the centre. But the the obviously the opposition net or I, I, it's a. Uh, psychological thing in some way I just my my nature is such that um uh I just want to see them win every time and and I just think and this also this desire for, for perfection that's why I mentioned it um I just want to see them playing better and better I just want there to be better and better players now because we well we've whether we can actually achieve this with new owners I don't know but um uh and I, I've got more and more immersed in the in the club as the seasons have gone on. And I just I, I'm uh, uh, I'm always trying to have to wean myself off to an extent. I don't um, uh, I never thought that it would it would it doesn't run my life, but I never thought that I'd have the the desire to see them as often as as I, I do. I find going away a complete pain in the ass traveling to Lille the other day. ah. Oh, God, tedious beyond belief. But then, actually, being amongst the fans and watching the team win and perform excellently was just absolutely joyous. So it obviously it it fulfills something in my um, in my nature. Um, and yet, um, uh, if if it was all taken away and we started again, I would still be there. So it's not just about them becoming. Um, the, the best team in the world but perhaps it is perhaps that's what what I'm looking for I'd like people so when they when they sing we're the finest team the world has ever seen I don't just go well we're not which is what I've ever done ever since I was little every time everybody sung that song I always go well we're not the finest team the world's ever seen somebody else Barcelona or Real Madrid are perhaps they would love I'd love there to be a period where we we win the decima. we we just keep winning the uh the uh the European um Championship. We just keep um, not the European Championship, the Champions League. So that perhaps perhaps that's a kind of aspiration I'm after. I don't know. I I've, I've got more immersed through being so ancient. I've got more and more immersed in the the projection of 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 the 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 highs and lows. And we just seem the last 19 years have had nothing but highs, and that's unbelievably addictive. Um, and also the great characters, and also the great football. I love watching terrific football, we've had some terrific footballers in the team, I keep going on about this, of, of savouring the players, now now you watch Silva, Silva is one of the great players that we have had at the club, and uh, and to be able to look at him and think, he's, well he's a defender, but it, there is a, a joy to be had from watching him, he has a joy in playing, it's the same with Hazard, that's why I'm bitterly disappointed that Hazard hasn't done it for Real Madrid, I really would have liked him to have done it, just because... He would then have achieved something, you could see the progression. And I don't understand why he hasn't. I wanted him to me, he was one of the greatest players in the in the uh, in the club's history, one of the greatest players in the world. Um, but I share Mark's appreciation of Hullet. Hullet's season when he came in was the exactly the same, the best I have ever seen. He's my best Chelsea player ever, Hullet, with, with a shadow of a doubt. He was absolutely a colossus playing for them. But so it's it. That kind of thing I find a, a unbelievably attractive. It's just watching great players. And the the older I get, the more I appreciate it. The more, I've never, ever been somebody who just looks at opposition and think, don't like them because they're, they're at the opposition. I remember once um, uh, being asked because they knew I qualified as a ref around me. Um, somebody said, oh, no, um, that was an offside. And I said, yes, it was actually. And this guy shouted out, who do you support? And I said, well, I support Chelsea, but I'm allowed to make Objective views, so I can watch opposition teams and appreciate them. So I suppose w- watching great football at the Bridge or even away, going away to watch Chelsea play against a great team and doing marvelously is is it makes the addiction even more um, present. So uh, I've meandered for the answer there, Oscar. I'm sorry, but it, it's it's um, it, there are so many of these things going on for me. It's also being able to observe. the the wonder of Tuchel as a manager. He's the best manager I've ever seen anywhere, but specifically at at Chelsea. You look back on Mourinho, who right when he started was a character and he made the team into something that that we'd never seen before but look at look at what he was really up to and it seems such a ludicrous personality that in the end you think oh well i'm pleased we've evolved and So each we, we're presented with something different every single time and i suppose yeah. that's what makes the the roller coaster so brilliant there's yeah. it's it's never the same there's a progression but there's always something there are so many highs and lows within it sorry a ramble, i've it's, rambled it's on n-
6: like
4: you jk it's never dull Thank um you. but it's right to stop me from no, no, that's rambling right. on It's as just as I, as well. I want to ask Martin and then no, go back to Mark I'll and, go, and then I'll me, go and have and a wee gonna, now, I, think, would you, I tell you what, actually, because it is half time. I was going to do the half time break after this, but nobody else might want one. So if you want to go make a cup of tea, you, you go ahead, Thank my you. friend. I will, I will. Martin, Apologies Martin. for rambling. No, don't everybody. apologize. What did I say? I said, like you, JK, it's never dull. There you go. <laughs> uh,
6: Martin. I've forgotten what the question was, to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> why? Why are we addicted? Um, Sorry, go on. Oscar You tell him. The question was around you know, the addiction, this love that we have for Chelsea, emotionally, financially. Mm. How do, you especially in the lows that we have now, and all, we obviously all, all the haters out there. How do you deal with that? Do you embrace it, or no. do you kind sort of like moderate that addiction, so to speak? You know, I
6: don't. I don't moderate the addiction, but the hate. People, some people enjoy the, you know, being hated on, which is, you know, fine. Whatever turns you on. Um, personally, for me, it's just about the people. I see when I go to games now, I was unwell for a good couple of months from this, like from last December through to February, I couldn't go to any games. It just wasn't possible. And when I was able to get back to, I went to the league cup final, but that was a bit more on my own type thing because the commute slightly different to everyone else, but the Newcastle game, you know, with everything else that was going on with regards to Chelsea, because it was obviously Roman had just been sanctioned. I couldn't, when when I was at the game, when I was seeing people I hadn't seen in months, and you know, generally having to give health updates like a doctor for some reason, <laughs> but um, you care about yeah, you know, yeah. But for like two hours, I wasn't that bothered about. Well, I wouldn't say not that bothered, but I was you know watching the game, enjoying it, and then it was about it was about seeing the people I hadn't seen for ages, and if that was taken away as a result of say the club in sanction, not being able to go out of games. It's not, well, we had, we had a go at it during the lockdown and it wasn't fun at all. So I don't really want to go through that again.
4: Definitely not. I mean, I'm, I'm quite similar to Martin in that respect, Oscar, and I've, I've not been able to go for a long time, certainly since uh, beginning of December, I think for various reasons. And, you know, I love, I love, you know, like everybody said, I love the foot, I love football. I wouldn't go at all if I didn't like football clearly, and I love seeing great players. I absolutely love seeing us win. You cannot replace things like the last minute winner, uh, hilarious shit housing win, stuffing Arsenal six nil, and laughing all the way through. I mean, you can't, you you know, those things are unique to being able to go to a football match and experiencing it live. But actually, if you can't go, you can watch it on the telly. You can still get your fix. But what you cannot get is exactly as Martin said is is meeting up with people that you've known and loved for years and years and years and the and the unique camaraderie that that entails and we're very blessed the lot of us because we all get on well we see each other at the matches and there's a a a huge amount of other people that that you don't know that we get to see and that that for me is what it's always been about but I think if I was going to sum it up in one way why why can't I give it up well that is one reason but it's just it's being there and being part of it that's what i can't let go and like tony i've kind of often thought i've got other things going on in my life i'm a pretty busy chap doing all sorts of other things maybe i should i don't live in london anymore which has always been you know the 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 key for me when i wasn't living in london generally i didn't didn't usually you know go but this time round i've i've not been able to let it go so it's really just being there and being part of it that's that's what gets me and keeps me addicted to it so there you go now i'm going to ask adam mark and then I'm going to go to you all right all right ask adam it's a title for a new show who i've just decided to invent
0: <laughs> uh i'm gonna say he, he's not here i don't think but i thought jk's ramble was brilliant again. it
4: was wasn't it that's exactly that i don't know why i got all bashful about it but uh, you
0: know no, uh, the, you see the emotion yeah And uh, it all. um obviously doing what i do i guess i do have a more of a mental detachment um especially when i'm at games i can't for the most part anyway let myself go um emotionally in the same way i would if i was in the matthew harding lower for example um that being said for the champions league final i did any work because of the emotion i couldn't control it for that um so yeah, I, I, I've i found the last month actually quite interesting from a work slash um, fan perspective because I haven't overly enjoyed the, the uncertainty facing the club and having to report on that. I actually think it's made it a lot more difficult than I'm sure a lot of other people have found reporting on, on it because there was that sort of few days to a week period when it it did seem very uncertain and I found working around that very strange and and difficult so as much as I try and now maybe mentally detach a bit I do find it difficult. Um and as to why I guess I will always support Chelsea it's as others as others have said um I I love football it's why I do what you know my job in the first place is I love football and and Chelsea I guess is my anchor to that all um it has been since I was seven, six, seven years old. And it would just feel strange not to to follow the club and not to keep an eye out for the score when I, when I couldn't go and and not to race back from matches. And I was covering Barnet and Watford. I remember racing back from a sort of end of season game at Barnet to get for an FA Cup final at Chelsea. Were in, just haring down the motorway because I wanted to get back for kickoff. And I don't I don't really know why you have that it is, I guess it's the emotions and the positive feelings that you get from supporting a club that you cannot replicate in most other sort of entertainment spheres, I guess, which I know sounds a bit wanky, but it's, it's this, yeah, the emotion that comes with supporting a club and and the sort of affirmation of that over years and years and years, it just gets to you and you can't seemingly break it. Seeing guys who are are slightly older than me here um, talk about it in in the same way as, as me, you know, I'm sure when I'm, uh, sort of J.K.'s age, I'll still be, you know, following the club around.
5: Eighty-seven.
4: <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> back. When did you, you? When did you appear? If it we like Mr. Ben, you suddenly appear out of nowhere. Then, uh, Mark, you wanted to follow up on one of those points.
7: Yeah, no, it, I had my hand up early, um yeah, you You want to exactly. talk about the
4: rain group again? No, no, I'm, no, j- no,
7: I'm no, joking. I'm no, joking. No, no, I can't live without the rain. Yeah. Oh,
5: um, <laughs> very, very low, I George. I can't stand the rain.
7: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think the song title's with rain in it now. Now I, I was I was going to echo Martin's point, um, and I, I'm, I'm not getting the violin out. Like, you know, all the people I went to school with, I'm not friends with anymore. Yeah, you know, I've, I've lost track, track, not kept touch with them. All my friends are at Chelsea. You know, so all, all, all the people I socialise with, and that's outside Chelsea as well. We all might go to a gig with, we go to the pub with, are all Chelsea fans. You know, so your social network has grown out of that football club, and that's who I've retained ties with. That sort of common bond. Uh, but again, you go broader than that. You know, you know the, the hundreds of games we've played, thousands of games down the years. You know, it creates individual memories for individual people. You know, everyone's got their own thoughts. Everyone's got their own memories. Everyone's got their own stories. You know, you know. Like if you think about the fifty years of Chelsea, you know, that's three or four of us. All of our memories coming in from different angles. Like we couldn't produce a book. Like to hell from the shed without everyone having those different perspectives, you know, and that's what makes it just so special. You know, going to football and going to watch Chelsea Football Club, yeah, you
4: know? yeah, definitely. I mean, that's 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 so true, Mark. And I mean, that I think I think you know it's because we've got an interesting mix of ages and people from different parts of the world. And you know, I see this on, on Twitter, and and you know, people don't seem to understand why we come out with this kind of mad shit, which is actually when it really boils down to it. You know, what we really care about is that Chelsea is still in the same place and still available to play football matches so we can watch them. Everything else is a bonus on top of that. And the reason for that is that it gives us an excuse to go and see these people that we've grown to know and love like brothers. I mean, it's it's family. It really is like family. And, it you know, jeopardising that by some dodgy investment or some somebody who bites off more that they can chew or or, or sucks the profits and the lifeblood out of the club – that's what they're threatening they're threatening you know the thing that we like to do best in the world with the people that we like to do it with most and uh, the football is an is ancillary to that in a sense but obviously it's an important part of it but it's that that's why we have an emotional attachment to it that's why we we, whilst we love the club winning trophies and having great players and competing at the top of both europe and and domestically actually it is still secondary to the the reason why we go which is to be there and be with each other Uh, And on that incredibly philosophical note, nay, slightly romantic note, uh, I'm going to have a quick break. uh, And of course, before we have a quick break, I always give a quick plug to CFC UK fanzine. And uh, I know there's a new one coming out, I would imagine, for Brentford, actually, because uh, we had to submit our articles. I actually delivered mine an hour before the deadline mark, 11 p.m. Oh, I was two minutes to midnight. Yeah, I didn't leave it to midnight. So there you go. So I was doing all right. Now, um, if you obviously the best way to get it is you go to the stall on a match day or you find one of the sellers along Fulham Road going, arry up, it's only a pound. But if you can't do that, and I think this is particularly relevant for those of you who don't live here, uh, email fanzine at cfcuk.net uh, and you can get a subscription for a year's worth of fanzines for £16. If you're in Europe, it's 35 quid. If it's in the rest of the world, it's 45 quid. Or you can have a digital copy... And that's a 6 quid subscription for a year, or they're £1 each, and you can pay via PayPal. It is that simple. So, we're going to have a quick break, and then we'll be back for more questions. Chige. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV?
5: Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. inconsolable.
4: Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: Real fans, real opinions.
5: I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total Nutters and Proper Chelsea. FootballFancast.com.
4: F- F- Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, and the uh, wonderful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Love it to be on the show. And of course we've got some uh, we've got more than more more than the usual four of us tonight because we've got Tony Glover, we've got Martin Wickham, we've got the lovely Mark Meehan, and of course the absolutely fantastic Adam Newson from football.london. And the rea- the real the real reason for that, of course, is because this is a QA show. It's where we get to have lots of other people on the show who can ask us questions. And we've got lots of people from our Patreon and Discord group, and they are Daryl Middleditch, Claire McConnell. Uh, Ash Pinto, we've got Oscar Tabar is it Taboda? It is Taboda, isn't it, Oscar? Yes, thumbs up, I got it right. And We didn't see him at the beginning, but I'm absolutely delighted to say we've got and Lester Thorpe here. Lester's one of the originals. L- Lester's been long-sufferingly listening to us since pretty much the first episode. God love you, Lester, you must be mad, mate. But great to see your smiling face. Uh, we've also got Trey Bertelsen, or Bert Cubed, as I know him from Mixler, Uh, we've got the lovely james copper as well who we didn't see at the beginning good to see you james nice to see you mate we've got craig and we've got paul burgess so there we go so lots of people in from discord and patreon and hopefully they will be asking us some questions now i thought what i might do is i'll I'll kick it off with uh, another one of alex's questions and then hopefully some of the people that are our guests can uh, can join in and ask us about that but alex asked this question which i think is quite relevant for the for the sale and I think it actually, you know, we can kind of spread this out to some other, other of the executives there as well. But she, he says, what about Marina Granovskaya? She played a huge role in making CFC one of the most successful clubs in Europe. Is she persona non grata now? Well, I'll kick it off. I, I, I think it would be a great shame if Marina went because, I mean, she won the best f- football director in the World Cup thing recently. But she's clearly made a massive imprint on Chelsea, the way that it's run. I think she's got a very good way of dealing with people. She's tough as nails when it comes to negotiating. And I I think she's become a huge asset to the club. So I think she'll be a great loss if she goes. And I think she'll go because she is absolutely 100% associated with Roman. She's been his right-hand man, if you like, forever and ever and ever. So uh, if they're getting Roman out, and uh, I think that anybody who's associated with Roman that closely, so that would be Bruce, that would be Marina, that would be Eugene Tannenbaum for starters – they will inevitably go. And then you have to factor in the fact that when a new board comes in, as a new board will, the last thing that they are going to want is to have Bruce Buck as the chairman, because Bruce is Roman's chairman. Marina is Roman's, effectively, she's the CEO, really. Uh, The others are a different kettle of fish. I mean, it's normal to replace the whole board. But if you've got particular skills and talents, then they might keep you. But marina clearly has got specific skills and talents but i think she's too associated to Rome, And that's my take who of us a lot would like to uh pop back with that one adam you flinched you get first go there you go
0: yeah i think speaking to people who have spoken to marina um everyone always says how impressive she is and how well she handles her business and how she always attempts to do what is best for the club from a business perspective now has every decision she's ever made at Chelsea Football Club been the right one? Of course not. No. Um, has she maybe got transfers wrong from time to time? Yes, but then you know most people in her position across you know European clubs have made a mistake uh, of many mistakes in the transfer market. It's not a science. It, it you know it does happen. Um, but you look at the work she's done at, at Chelsea over the last sort of decade, especially, and she's driven the club forward in a lot of ways and. I think I agree with you to an extent. I do think it's likely she does go because of her ties to Roman and, and how long she's been working for him. And I mean, if he, it, it seems logical that she follows him out, um, but you would hope that there would be a period uh, and a fairly long one of sort of handing over if she was to step out, because that would probably be the best thing for the club um, for having a, a good handover period for the next ownership to to find a a suitable replacement and for that replacement to work alongside her to to learn the ropes of, if they haven't learned um, sort of the ropes elsewhere in football to to do that because she is very good at what she does despite what certain sort of Twitter accounts may try and uh, perpetuate Um, and yeah she'll go it will be a blow for Chelsea. but as I say, much in a similar sort of sense to Roman, she's done a lot of good for the club and will leave the club in, in a lot better situation than when she first arrived way back in 2003,
7: and three four. Absolutely spot on. Mark, you had your hand up. Yeah, I, I think there's probably a strong possibility that Marina might go, which if it does happen will be a real shame. Mm. Um, I think she's done a fantastic job for Chelsea Football Club. But I suspect if someone is investing £3 billion you know, in Chelsea, even if there might be, Transition period. I suspect they'll bring their own people in a, a relatively quick period of time. So I don't think it will just be Marine that will go. I think others will follow as well.
4: Well, who who do you think?
7: I, I think I think Bruce Buck will go yeah, either because you know it's it's a sea change, and obviously when Roman came in, you know he made early changes as well. Um, but, you know, how old is Bruce? Bruce must be in his late 70s. Yeah, yeah. but he's
4: the chairman. He's, he, he's inevitably going to go because they'll yeah. have a new chairman, yeah. is my
7: yeah. logic. Well, I wonder, they might sort of say, actually, yeah, we might want you to carry on for a period of time until we find our own chairman. True. But, but, but again, even if they wanted to do that, yeah, you know, Bruce is in his late 70s. Like, you know, does he really want to sort of like start, you know, almost like start with a new regime as being chairman again? Probably unlikely. He's done his time. He served the club. You know, he'd probably want to retire. Uh, I think I think the Joker in the pack, and not not literally, or maybe literally, you know, with a Guy Lawrence. What mm. happens to the Guy Lawrence? Because um, obviously, you know, his his name has been rather quiet of late. Yeah, and obviously the saving grace, if there is a saving grace, because there clearly isn't many, of fans not being able to buy tickets is that his dreaded two pound tax. You know, has clearly not earned much money recently.
4: Yeah, I mean, that that's a you see. I think that's an interesting one because he's not. Hugely associated with Roman. His, yeah. his, his 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 title is vulnerable because he's the CEO. And I think most new organisations will want to put their, new, their own CEO in. So that would make him vulnerable. But, you know, you could make an argument that he has distinct talents. I, I don't have a lot of love for Guy, as you know. I certainly don't have a lot of love for the marketing uh, empire that's been created there and has caused us lots of grief. So I would be very happy to see that change. And of course, you know, his main job role there is the commercial side. And I think if American owners are coming in to really beef up the commercial side, I think he would be very vulnerable. One person I do hope, two people I do hope will stay. One is Steve Atkins, Atkins. who I think is a very, I, I, I know Steve quite well, worked with him a long time now over the years through the trust. Uh, And I really like him. He's a lovely guy, but also I think he's very, very good at what he does. Um, That's for sure. I mean, I know Chelsea make a lot of PR cock-ups. There was one recently, of course, as we all know about, but trust me, Steve wouldn't have been behind that. And remember, he gets outvoted on a lot of things, but he's a damn fine PR guy. And the other, of course, is people like Petr Cech. You know, I know Petr Cech's got a rather nebulous role there. But I think it's been a really, I mean, as Tuchel has often said, you know, there's a really good symbiosis between him, Padachek and Marina when it comes to playing matters. And and I think that it's made a huge difference to the club having somebody with that kind of standing as a player, you know, in the management, if you see what I mean, in the management structure. You know, and i am I'm, I'm sure we know that he had a lot to do with Havertz coming to the club. I think Adam was probably about to come in with that. I don't know. But I'll let you come in, Adam, actually. I'm intrigued to know what it was you wanted to say.
0: No, I was going to just actually say you you make a fundamentally important point here about Tuchel and the structure, because that is something that Tuchel has absolutely loved at Chelsea Um, more than any club that he's worked at previously. He loves how he's essentially left the hand of the first team business. There's no sporting director speaking to the media. There's no president speaking to the media. It's very much, yes, the last month hasn't been easy for him to be the, the man in front of the camera answering difficult questions. But for the most part, he likes having that um, sort of quiet around the club. There isn't a lot of voices talking and he likes to work in relationship with Czech and Marina. And I think that keeping that is going to be crucial to just keeping Tuchel long term. I, I think structure. it'll
5: change, though. I think it'll change if they get somebody who who's, wants to be in the public eye who runs the club. If they're, you know, that which you see in America, then, uh, well, you know, that that whole process will just will, will will disappear completely. We'll see how it ends as, up. As will Tuchel.
0: If you're if you're buying this club, I think Thomas Tuchel is one of your biggest
8: assets. No, he's and, the biggest asset. I think you, to defend it the American way who's the mouthpiece for Liverpool Football Club is Jurgen Klopp yeah. they're owned by Americans you know and I think there's an interesting article again in, in, it was in The Athletic today. I don't know if it was published today but it was about the American ownership side of things and and that whoever comes in would obviously be casting eyes towards Fenway Sports Group as a, as a, a model for success as a model for saying look you know um, it, this is uh, is organic it can grow it's it's um, uh, self sustainable or sustainable or whatever, and I think there's that uh, on the Marina thing. There's also a very good article in the Athletic today, was probably written a few days ago, um, talking about Marina and other outlets are available like football yeah, London by but the way. My, well, I'm getting the money's <laughs> worth out of the subscription. That's what I'm doing, um, and it does cover Chelsea very fairly, I think. But I, I do think with Marina, what, what you see, you know, so I, you know, I've, I've worked for Guy Lawrence. Um, I've been the other side of the desk from him when I was trying to sort out his iPhone on more than one occasion, and um, amongst other bits and pieces. Um, but I think, from Marina's perspective, what normally happens is, you know, when, when Guy Lawrence came in to Vodafone, uh, there's this period where the existing senior management teams stay in place. And then one by one, they drop out. Yeah. It's never usually a Clear the board. Here's new people. That that rarely ever happens in in any business, unless there's been a massive scandal, and I don't think we are a, a massive scandal well, apart from the it, Russian it was, apart
4: from the Russian element, Tony. Well, no, no, but I don't
8: think we are. Not in the way we're run. Not in the not, not in the governance kind of aspect. Yeah,
4: but but Bruce and Eugene and Marina are all very close to Raymond, and the government they are. aren't going to. That they go, are. Right?
8: But, you know, someone comes in, if it's Ted Burley or Bowley or what did we decide Martin Burley? Was it? Uh, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ted Lasso. Um, yeah, Ted, Ted Lasso <laughs> comes in uh, and, and if he sits there and says, you know, I want you to stay on for another six months. I'm going to give you a million quid to do it. Then they're going to do it. Yeah. OK, it, for that handover period. And it's quite critical that you have that handover period and it's not abnormal to have that. That what the message that the troops will get, if you like, in, in, in the players and the staff will be you know, this person Marina Grandesky will stay in position, bloody, 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 and then an announcement will come further down the top, which is you know, she decided to move on to you know, take up another opportunity elsewhere, spend more time with her family or whatever. Um, and this is the person who's replacing it, and that is just normal business practice, you yeah. see it every single day in all businesses. So,
4: I think that's a really good point, Tony. Mark, you wanted to come in.
7: Uh, the other thing I'll add, obviously, is recent elevation to the board. Like the role of David Barnard might be quite important then for continuity. So he's been there for
4: they, decades, hasn't he? He
7: has, he has indeed. But the fact he's been, you know, elevated to the board quite recently may be the existing board are thinking about long-term continuity. So if some of them are already thinking that they might move on from either connections to Roman or yeah, their time is up, placing David on the board is a plan for the future.
4: David was there when we were shit. He was. He's so those... been in a long, long, yeah. long,
7: long time. yeah. Proper
4: yeah. proper old school, he really is. Yeah. Um, Right, would any of you, uh, of any of our guests like to pop out a question at us? Because I think we'll give it another kind of half an hour and then we'll wrap up. So maybe now, maybe we could talk about some football rather than the sales process. Just you want
5: moment. to answer the third one there, Alex? Well, you, well I'm uh... going
4: to keep that one in reserve. Okay. Because I'd like to get some of the guests in. But Lester, you, you put your hand up. Don't forget you're on mute.
10: yeah
1: i was just wondering about the academy as well um is that is that part of the, the process that we lose uh
4: the control of the academy or or does the academy uh
1: stay with the with the buyers you know the people oh, no, who I, are... I
4: would imagine they're buying they're buying the whole lot Leicester. so i think i think in, when the trust put out its statements recently we made a point of saying that they needed to continue the great work they'd done on the Academy and also the women's team, because ultimately whether the Academy or the women's team succeeds or fails depends on how much money they're prepared to put in it. So I think what we were trying to do is to kind of warn them that no, you've got to carry on investing in that too. But I would imagine Chelsea is Chelsea. So they're buying the lot. Great. Yeah. Good stuff. Anybody else want to come in on that while we're on the subject of the Academy?
8: No. No. I think that would have probably formed part of the rain group. um, uh, If you like set list, if you like of of criteria, I'm pretty sure that that would have been put forward in the kind of, you know, RFP standard business format, which is plans for the Academy plans for the women's team. You know, you're buying Chelsea. You're not just buying the badge with the lion. You're buying everything. And what are you going to do? And there will be changes. I'm, I'm, I, I actually think it would be good for the academy. My own view is is that that academy was in place for bloody years and years and years and years, and we never really saw anything from it, not for our benefit, other than as an income stream, for you know the for the for the bean counters or whatever. Um, and I think anybody that comes in, especially an American one, will they'll want value for money out of that. And I think there will be more pressure and probably more uh, more more governance over that in order to produce the players for the success of the team, out of which everything else is born. That's just my personal view.
4: Yeah, I think you've got a good point there, Tone. Right, James Copper, the lovely James Copper. Good evening. Can
5: you hear me? Oh, we can
4: indeed, James. Good to see you, mate.
5: Lovely.
1: Yeah, Good to see you too. Yeah, so as you know, I've been listening you know, from the inception of the show and it's been an enormous and beautiful part of, of my life. Um, more than you guys
5: will know. So, my my question is: What's been your most profound moment from
10: from doing the show? Oh,
6: god,
4: oh. oh, blimey! Uh, Martin, you can have a go
6: at that one first. Oh, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was actually, um, hmm, I'm trying to feel for an answer here. Um, the weirdest one was actually a couple of months ago, where someone. Who had been behind me in the meth yard in Lower for years and years and years and years and years, um, happened to be in in the cock pre-game, and I think Chid, you were with me, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's we're talking away, talking away, talking away, and then it emerges that I'm I'm gonna, oh you you're Martin Wickham fucking hell and all of that. Well, geez, I thought you'd recognise my voice from the last five years or so. That was. <laughs> Yeah, that that was amusing, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, you, you do bump into random people in random places at times, and initially I found it unnerving, but I'm think I'm starting to get used to it now I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know if, if I if I start saying to talk to my agent you have permission to punch me
4: <laughs> brilliant great answer Martin and uh, even better that I put you completely on the spot so there you, you go utter bastard I know I know. <laughs> I know I know I know I uh, know JK what's been your most profound moment other than obviously working with me every Monday and Friday
5: uh, calling
6: J- Genio, uh see you next Tuesday
8: <laughs> <laughs> oh
6: <laughs> Oh, do well, caring, understanding '90s type.
8: That's,
7: that's right. That's right. Very I, good. Can't I can't
6: understand I, new technology. Yeah. I, I
4: still think the the most profound moment should really be. Um, it's just not working for me, Chief. Oh,
6: you've taken Thunder Chief because
4: <laughs> that was legendary. Nice. Well, go yeah. on then. Go on then, Tony. What was? what's well, it, yours? Was it was
8: that. It was. It was the um the the two. I guess moments for me would be the being on with, you know, sort of working alongside a professional lovey is just beyond my dreams, like, right? you know. That, is that um, me? Is that yeah, me? It is <laughs> you, darling. <laughs> 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 uh, and that, that moment was was a mic drop moment of, in reality, wasn't it? You know, it's just not working for me. Blank screen, dead air. <laughs> the rest of us sitting is again. Is he fit? <laughs> is, it, is he fit or is he just adding up? And Who's he having a little, whatever, that was great. But I, for me... Um, one of the highlights of, of the fan cast was us meeting in the Chelsea Pensioner oh, yeah, last yeah, yeah. year uh, and meeting mark face to face seeing marco Worrell, uh, <laughs> dj all of those people that we hadn't seen face to face for, for uh, a sort of you know for, for months, and months and months and i remember walking up to the pub and seeing martin outside the pub he was on the phone and i said get off the fucking phone and get in and have a pint
6: yeah, was my mum on the was, other end of the phone as well. Yeah, I,
8: don't think the I, got was, <laughs> I think the response I got was, "I've already fucking got one in there, so shut up or something like that," you know. Uh, and and we had what four or five hours, and uh, J.K. Uh, and and all the people turned up. Kerry Dixon, it was it was fantastic, and I, I think that's probably one of the happiest journeys home I've ever had on a train from Clapham Junction.
7: Mm, brilliant, 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 Mark i was going to say exactly the same as tony Uh, i i I scribbled a few things down i think for me some one of my favorite moments the first time i was on was my chelsea and like you know you asked me to make a list and my list was sort of like you know it wasn't my top 10 games probably my top 100 games so so that was that was quite a funny moment uh meeting up you know at the pensioner i thought it was just absolutely fantastic meeting tony meeting jk really really great afternoon yeah, really enjoyable moments there, especially coming out of lockdown as well. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think the other one, which is still a running joke, despite being on here now for a couple of years now, and you've you've said on many occasions, oh, but Mark, he's written loads of books about Chelsea. I just thought it was just a funny moment that you didn't realise I'd written a book called Blue Tomorrow. Abia, <laughs> <don't... Hi>,
6: yeah.
4: <laughs> Ange. I seriously, I don't know how that one slipped the net, but there you go, Mark. The shame is all mine. Adam.
0: Um, obviously, you know, I've not been doing it as long uh, as, as a lot of you guys, but I guess I, in my sort of close personal friend group, there isn't actually another Chelsea fan. Well, there is one, but he's very much uh, sort of on and off fair weather. Um, so it's been great for me since I started doing uh, the Chelsea gig of Football London and, and doing the fan cast. It's been great for me just to have uh, a group of people who understand my feelings about the club and who I can talk uh, to about it
5: on a bi-weekly slash weekly /weekly On a virtual level, though, because you never meet us.
4: Well, I know, but we need to sort that out with a beer or three as well.
0: Yes, we do. I don't even
5: know what size you are. I just see this face.
4: He's about eight foot tall in real life. I know that's JK. what's
5: worrying me. I'll, I'll be, you know, he doesn't know that I'm three foot nine. You
8: know, well, we're both me and you, we're both diminutive, aren't we, JK? Yeah. We, yeah, we are diamonds rather than bricks.
0: Yeah, I'm six foot. There you go, JK. So oh yeah. Okay. I'm pretty much bang average. Is that not average?
4: About, about <laughs> that these, about, it is the, sadly, it is these days, Adam. But not when we were all born. When <laughs> I was
6: fucking bombing over, I stopped at... I stopped as a teenager. I'm oh, no. from five foot seven. That's as far as I got. There
0: we go. There yeah. we go. So being able to come on here and chat to you guys and have a laugh about something which I can't do too often with uh, a lot of my so sort of close friends is, is been great for me.
4: Well, the the pleasure's ours too, Adam. I, and I, I kind of following on from that. I mean, uh, I I kind of have to say this was a bit selfish, really, but it's a bit like when we won in Porto, you know. And I always used to say winning the Champions League the first time never gets better than that and and in a way winning it in Porto wasn't as big for me because i wasn't there uh but it's massive winning it the second time and it's a bit what well, we've won two awards and we won it the first time i think the first year football blogging awards had it and it was all a bit you know kind of homemade really it was in a it was in a masonic hall in in stockport it wasn't very glamorous but it was nice to win it but winning it again uh 3 years later and it was a much bigger event they had uh, you know john barnes there i mean they'd really it'd really exploded into a massive thing and and we pulled that one off and i never ever thought in a million years we'd do that with the competition we had so that was probably the most profound moment but actually generally james the profound moment is is the friendships as kind of adam was alluding to you know the friendships with not only all of these guys which has just become an essential part of my match day routine But actually, as Tony was saying, or Martin was saying, sorry, that meeting people like you guys, I mean, I've known James now for, you know, over 10 years and Lester, you know, uh, a lot of you guys I've known for a long, long time since the show's been going. And I've been really privileged to meet a lot of you. And there's nothing, nothing more profound when, you know, somebody approaches you looking a bit nervous in the cock tavern. And says, "Oh, you you Stanford chidge, you know." And and I'm always generally delighted that people come up and say hello, and we have a beer, and we have a chat, and that for me is been the beauty of doing this show and, and I, I that, that is certainly the most profound thing about it for me I think and, and the most humbling too and it keeps us very grounded because at the end of the day all we ever do is just talk bollocks about Chelsea on a Monday and Friday really it's not that not that special and we just love <laughs> love the sounds of our own voices and that's really I talk it.
5: more. I talk more bollocks than you do.
4: I don't know about that mate we should have a vote on that we've got enough people for a poll here shouldn't we we'll do a poll at the end of the show who talks more, more bollocks JK or Chidge so get, get your vote ready right great question james enjoyed that uh right matt and then i'm going to ask one of uh daryl
2: uh hi guys great to be here um now the clocks have gone back in, in dubai i'm only three hours ahead of you so it's kind of doable we're catching Although you up it is, Matt. yeah it's, it's kind of approaching midnight i do need to go to bed soon we'll to work tomorrow but anyway um i had this thought a few months ago i think probably after the last q a sliding doors moment and it's now heightened by the fact I'm 80% of the way reading uh, through reading Kelvin Barker's um, Chelsea in the 80s. Oh, which I have, to, I have to say, I'm finding quite hard going, but for, for reasons I won't divulge. Um, one of the things that it keeps talking about, because of that was the time, was what if we'd been relegated to Division 3 in 82-83? And it's, it's fairly well accepted. The, the stock answer is the club probably would have gone out of business. I'm not sure any of us really know, but I do wonder what would it actually have looked like, and I don't mind if we save this for another time either, what would it have looked like if we actually had been relegated to Division 3 in that sliding doors moment?
4: Well, I think think Mark's got to have first dibs on that one and then JK, I think.
7: Yeah, I think, Matt, you're probably right. We probably would have gone out of business the position the club was in at the time, but if we had survived... um, with some of those players, you know, would they have gone down to Division 3? I doubt if they would, and I wouldn't blame them if that had taken place. So, I think it could have been a really hard slog, you know. Mm. You know, we might have struggled to get out of Division 3. Um, So, we might have, you know, not seen sort of the, you know, what well, we would have seen. There's no way... You know, that Bates would have spent well, Bates didn't spend any money, he got other people to spend the money for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we wouldn't have seen that spending spree we saw in 83 84 season. So, mm. I doubt very much, you know, we would not have got the likes of Pat Nevin, you know, we would not have got Joe McLaughlin, we wouldn't have got Nigel Spackman. I don't, would Kerry Dixon have joined us perhaps for the same team, same division? Maybe. Yeah, because it'd be a step up from Reading. Would John Hollins have come back? You know, would we have got Eddie Nizviki? Probably not. You know, so you know, those players were the nucleus are what proved to be a successful promotion winning side. Yes. So, you know, I think the real risk could have been we could have been down there for a number of years. Probably but even if is, yeah. we were. I think we'd all still have been there. chewing yeah, the Absolutely. Yeah. Here,
5: here. JK. But well, it happened to Villa, didn't it? Villa went down very low.
4: And City, of course,
5: and and Wolves, Wolves went to the fourth, and and Fulham. You can't Fulham aren't the same, obviously, but they was very yo-yo like. Mm.
4: Fulham are used to it.
5: Uh, Yeah, I I think (laughs) we, we, as you say, Mark, we'd have been supporting them probably even more because we'd been going to places we'd never been to before. Um, But I think uh, I, I didn't at the time have. I, I was in despair slightly with the prospect of going to the third division, particularly since I've been so rude about Fulham going down with my mate. Um, uh, my big mate who was a Fulham fan, but um, uh, I kept saying division, th- division three is calling thee." I would say to him. Phone him. <laughs> I <would> say, division, <laughs> division four is at the door. <laughs> just a running gag, but um, when are we, uh, it would have been a very different history very very different. very different very um would it have been likely that uh that we'd ever gone through hoddle and and Bates and huett and you don't well you don't know that it, somebody might have come along and um injected some dosh um you uh, know we can't predict the future that way all we know is that we we'd have been there supporting them absolutely definitely so uh, um but um happily. Uh, Clive Walker scored that goal, and um, nice. we're, we're, we're where we are now. So, yeah,
4: <laughs> good question, Matt. Great question, think. Good question. Yeah, really yeah, good very question. Good. Very good. Yeah. We like that. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? You know, dear old Clive probably just doesn't get the the love and the recognition that he he deserves. If you think about it, you know, given given that he he scored the goal that kind of saved us, Mark.
7: Yeah, I think it's a good point about Clive because I, I think he was really unlucky the following season um, that. He, he actually started his first choice and then he got his jaw broken in the Middlesbrough game. Mm. Yeah, and he, he never got back in the side. So, you know, we made a great start to the 83-84 season. Uh, he was part of that. You know, would we have signed Mickey Thomas if Clive Walker's jaw had never been broken? Maybe not.
10: Yeah, yeah.
4: maybe not. So, so whoever thumped him, I suppose, thank you is what we should say.
7: Well, the, the player that thumped him accidentally was a player called Paul Ward, who ironically was... um. Uh, an ex Chelsea player, you know, he was in sort of Chelsea youth team and Chelsea Reserves. So, you know, actually, Clive knew him, you know, he played with him in the reserves. No, I, mean. I smacked him. <laughs>
4: Maybe we'll have to get Clive on the show one day and ask him that. Right, uh, Daryl.
1: Sorry, uh, just a quick one for JK. Ugh. Um, <laughs> uh, did he, did you see Timo's goal? <laughs>
5: I didn't. I was bemused that he then made the statement, didn't he, that um, (laughs) it was easier playing for for Germany. We want to say it's probably easier playing for Germany against Israel to score. And um, I still think he's had about 20 chances playing for Germany. But I I actually felt that was a real low with him making that statement. I felt that was on a par with um, Lukaku. And I think he should be given more stick for it. I'd like him to get as much stick as possible, actually. A big
4: stick, it.
0: preferably.
5: Yeah, exactly. Up his rear end. Up his arse <laughs> <laughs> and out. Out of club. Out of club. Out of club. No, you get out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Tino might actually be lucky there are bigger things going on at the moment. Because you're the second person who said that to JK to me now. About it's not dissimilar to what Lukaku said.
5: Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But, um, there are fundamentally more important things going on at the moment. Yeah, there are,
5: there are, there are. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was w- ridiculous. Uh, it was, uh, um, Darryl, it's crap. You know, let's be honest. He's, he's let's be honest. He's crap. That was crap. Come on, let's be, <laughs> let's be absolutely honest about this. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, for the sake, but... we spent so much time trying to blow smoke up his ass, saying, "Oh, he runs well." No, no, he's good. He's in good positions, isn't he? For fuck's sake, who says that? He's, we've all been Me. saying that. Me. Yeah, there we Me. are. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, the bloody humble pie vans going round against the moment. God save us! But, let's, but if he not, scores
7: against yeah. Brentford on Saturday, well, the he will. Light. He
5: will. He'll score, but he'll have about eight other chances, and he'll <laughs> he'll ball or bounce off his knee, or he'll look at. Or he, the main thing at the moment is his bottle has completely tweaks every single time. He will not go for the ball in a 50-50 challenge. He won't go for the ball in a 70-30 challenge. He won't go for the ball in a ninety ten challenge. He just won't go for the fucking ball. Anyway, God, thank, you nice to have you fun thank you, Daryl, yeah. for winding me up. Cal- Thanks, Calm down, Vera. Calm down, Vera. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah.
4: now, I know that uh, Craig and Oscar both had their virtual hands uh, um, uh, raised. I don't know if they still want to... Craig, do you still want to ask a question? Well, yes. Get yourself off mute, mate.
11: Yeah, since he brought up uh, Timo, um, I know we're kind of stuck on transfers and stuff now, but I was curious if Adam had still heard any rumblings around transfers. Saw an interesting rumor today that PSG might be interested in Lukaku
5: if uh, Mbappe leaves. I'll drive him. Exactly. I wrote, yes, please. That would be nice. I wrote that on <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I
11: was making sounds like JK does for Guinness moments when I read that. <laughs> so that's how excited I was. So I, I just thought I'd throw that out for uh, for Adam.
0: I mean, uh, honestly, I think everything's set up in the air at the moment because yeah. we don't know what the next ownership are going to want at this point. Um, they may want uh, a big, high-profile figure like Lukaku to be at the club. Um, as I say, it's it's complete unknowns at the moment. Uh, Chelsea hadn't particularly sort of firmed up their summer plans. Obviously, we kind of knew the names that they would probably go for. Um, but again, that's now very much in pause until we work out the the owner situation and then find out what these owners are, are gonna be willing to invest in the squad and, and who they want to build around potentially. Um I'm intrigued to see what happens to Christian Pulisic this summer because he has two years left on his contract um and a decision has to be probably made there. But you think an American owner would want to have Christian Pulisic at the club and make him, you know, he's let's not, you know, it's not the same otherwise. He's very marketable. Um and if you're a new owner, who wants to to sort of deal with the profile of Chelsea further in America? There's your guy. Is it true that
5: he was in the brochure? Ostensibly, there was more of him in the brochure than anything else.
0: He was he was name checked in the brochure
5: a lot yeah. uh, as as you know
0: a huge marketable player. But he does have two years left on his contract. So he got more- he
5: got a hat trick this week coming into form. Who,
4: who was, was he playing?
5: playing? Oh, it was playing Israel. I oh, know that was Werner. Panama. Sorry. I know. I know. Panama. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, but no, but. You know, still still him getting three goals is good, isn't it? You know yeah, I mean?
4: yeah, it yeah. He also got into a bit of aggro with one of them as well, which I quite liked, which I saw on and Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Adam, I've got a, a kind of a follow-up question of my own, really thanks to Craig's question, in a sense. Um, because in, in, I'm going to say it again, and I'm sorry, it's like another dagger, isn't it? But in that athletic article, which I, I printed some bits <laughs> out on our, on our notes, um, I, I mean, it's a, such a shame uh, that Mr. Stick is not in here tonight because he would be driving the humble pie lorry right round to my address in winchester as we speak if he was here because him and daryl will be giggling at this too because me and daryl are always digging mr stick out for his absolute obsession with stats aren't we daryl yeah exactly and because uh, daryl and i don't believe in stats because we believe that actually you know we you know just that there's more to it than stats i'll leave it yeah out. i'm with you on that one i know so you you, you can join me in daryl's club anytime yeah. tony anyway the thing that I read about in in uh, in the athletic piece was um I mean, we know he's brought Danny Finkelstein in uh, to do this, but it's all, I've just got to try and, the right, try and find the right bloody bit now, of course, which I can't. Um, but it's uh, it's all to do with uh, the money ball, isn't it? That's the thing that I can't find. Um, yeah, so there's this kind of idea, isn't there, in the States that you can do a, kind of you can make oh here we go uh, liverpool's progress has been informed by analytics stemming from the inspiration of american moneyball theories championed by baseball executive billy bean uh, is that a real person is that just a made up <laughs> billy bean i don't know is he, is he like a, an american cousin of mr bean i don't know anyway uh, the maybe. idea is simple in principle a data-driven approach to identify value offers may be missing others may be missing so on the one hand you've got pulisic as their great uh, you know clothes horse to market the club on but if Bowley gets it, they are going to have a much more stats-driven approach to buying people. So how do you think that might affect the transfer system? For we just going go and flash 100 million on who, who Roman fancies anymore because we all make a noise about it?
0: Yeah, this is why I think it could be quite good for Chelsea if they work smarter in the transfer market than they have done at times. And Lukaku is probably quite a good example in the sense of Chelsea performed well last season under Tuchel using, you know, not a sort of fixed target man. And then Chelsea went and bought one and we've seen that it's not really worked out. And for 100 million, that's a big, big problem. And the theory is, and it's kind of what Liverpool have done very well with FSG, and I'm going to highlight it under Klopp, not necessarily brilliantly before him, but under Klopp, they have a very fixed idea of what the team is. And again, this probably does start with head coach first and foremost, you know what the head coach wants and from players in certain positions, you know, his overarching philosophy on football, how he wants to play, how he, he needs players of certain attributes in certain positions. And then you build from that. And I think that's why Liverpool have, have been such an interesting case study for this because football data analytics has probably become such a, a prevalent thing in the last, I don't know, five, to sort of eight years, I'd probably say. Mm-hmm. Um and Liverpool are, are the greatest example of it. They've had Michael Edwards there who is is leaving at the end of this season, who has sort of revolutionised their data recruitment. And it's why we all well I say we as, as a clip why a lot of people I know who are Chelsea fans um look at Liverpool and go, "Ah, oh, man, how come they can sign Luis Diaz and bang like that he fits into their team perfectly. And it is because they've Liverpool's recruitment team have done the the sort of underlying numbers, they've looked at it, looked at how it can be extrapolated um, in a Klopp system and have taken that educated, not even gamble at that point, it's a very educated bet that this is the right player in the right position and he'll fit in with what we will do. And as you've seen with Diaz, it's it's worked out brilliantly. And I think if Chelsea go down this route, they're not going to get it right every time and there may be teething problems to doing it. Um, But I think in terms of joined up thinking, it will work better than how Chelsea have operated in the transfer market. And, But crucially, I think you need a head coach who you build underneath uh, from. And if that's Tuchel, great, because Chelsea will know what Tuchel will want and then Chelsea can operate accordingly. If you're changing the manager every year, then it becomes a problem because you're signing a player for different systems, different ideologies, different overarching principles of, of tactical sort of structures. And then you end up with a complete mix and match of, of ideas and, and then it becomes a mess. So yeah. that's why I kind of think Tuchel is, is the guy. Yeah,
4: I was going to say, Adam, I, I think actually, if, you know, much as Daryl and I, you know, well, Daryl will concur, we, we hate the whole stats element of football. You know, the reality is there's that that the Tuchel manages or coaches very much on stats. He's a very data driven manager um, but I think he's better than that as well, because I think he also goes on character. You know, I think he he picks out people he knows that he wants to be in the trenches with, and of course that's what I'm talking about. I, I think you know you cannot separate character and personality and hunger and desire from success. I mean, winning mentality. A lot of my piece the other day was written about that, wasn't it? That's for me as important, if not more. But I do think there is a place for stats, and I think T- Tuchel is that kind of a man. and I think he would work well under that system, providing he's Number one, you're right, he has to be given, given a long time like Klopp has. And again, the FSG model tells you that that might be the case with whoever buys us because they will see the benefits of that. Uh, and uh, it could well work out very well for us. But we, of course, we don't know. We'll probably sell it to somebody from Ulaanbaatar or somebody. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, now I'm going to ask Oscar. Oscar, was your question? Oh, I've got a question from Ash. Oscar, was your question? Uh, did, you, did you still want to ask your question?
1: I can ask a question. Mine was a, mine was a quick anecdote based on the previous question about when we got when we either got relegated, but I can ask a question
4: as well. Well, I'll tell you, because um, I've got Ash, Ash I can, I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask Ash first and then we can have your anecdote because I think that would be a lovely way to finish up. Yeah? Okay. Brilliant. Okay, Ash, fire away.
9: All right, uh, quick question. And since we're talking about uh, the US and Pulisic, is Chelsea not supposed to have a summer tour in the US this year? It was, and um, I'm I'm guessing that it's everything's put on halt, and we're not yeah. getting anything from that because of the sanctions, and kind of up in the air. Who knows?
0: I mean, I think putting they're two just two not allowed
9: to plan, are they?
0: Sorry, I was going to say putting two and two together, and hopefully coming up with the right answer here. If you if Chelsea ended up with an American buyer, logic <laughs> would dictate that they'd want the team to come out to America. We'll see if that happens. We'll see what happens. But yes, there was a, an American tour planned, and if if it ends up with an American owner, then it kind of makes sense that that still does happen in some form.
4: Yeah,
9: absolutely right. Okay, Ash? I, and one more thing if anybody out there, they're coming to your city, let me know and we'll make arrangements.
4: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I might be tempted. I might be. T- I've, 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 I haven't been. I've, I saw Chelsea play against Inter Milan in Pasadena in 2009, and I've not made it out for a game since then. And it was great fun. I did a live podcast in the Fox and Hounds pub in. Uh, in uh studio city in la which was which was just too much fun i'll tell you all about that one day uh oscar
1: it was interesting that it brought home when when john when jk was talking about how we got nearly got relegated and i was talking about how you know, the, the highs and lows of being addicted to f- for football and it just came back vividly i remember I, was, I think i was 12 at the time and we were so shit in that season we were terrible weren't we that season and I think we had some Arsenal fans and I think we said, why are we sporting Chelsea? I think we had, in a moment of weakness, I hope I won't get counseled by saying this, <laughs> for one weekend only, we went to watch Arsenal. Oh! And we watched Arsenal, it was Arsenal versus Aston Villa, when Villa were top of the table. Um, and it was a terrible experience. We got, it, was, it was the height of hooliganism. We got rushed by the Villa fans in the Arsenal end, ended up on the Arsenal pitch. And that was my one experience of supporting Arsenal on that one weekend on the back of that horrible season. Well, Oscar, it clearly <laughs>
4: served you right, mate.
1: You need to appreciate those loads. That never
4: happened to at the bridge, ever. Good, yeah. The bridge was peace- lapsed... peaceful at that yeah. time, you
8: know, totally peaceful, wasn't yeah. it? As, as a lapsed Catholic, I'm going to say that as well, well. That's, that's the equivalent of a venal sin, so it's <laughs> forgivable, <laughs> as opposed to the mortal sin. <laughs> Ten Hail Mary's and five my father's. Exactly. There you go. Father Tony. There's your penance, mate. All right. The, the, the Reverend, the Reverend Tony,
6: even. Yeah, the uh, Reverend, uh, yeah. No, Reverend. No, in no, it, no. Well, um, Father Tony, if, if it's that way. Father one, Ted um, more like. Yeah, exactly. Father Jack. <laughs> All right, Martin. Thanks, mate. <laughs> well,
5: I watched an Arsenal game at that period as well when we were shit, not wanting to go and support them, but just because I thought any watching any other team might, you know, Give me a, a taste of decent football, and exactly the same thing happened to me. Got, I've had a very good position. I got pushed down by everybody to the bottom right-hand corner, and then we were asked to go on the pitch to to avoid all the all the scuffle, and they marched us down the other end. So I ended up having quite a good view, but exactly the same thing happened. So it was that was an era where you know, when in doubt. And I got there really early to watch with a few mates. It's because it was, as you said, constant, we all say it's about going with mates. I didn't have any. I had lots of Chelsea mates, but they weren't going to the matches because they hated watching them so much at the time. So uh, ended up with Arsenal friends. Come and watch Arsenal. They weren't yeah, They'd never convinced me into becoming an Arsenal fan. But we all got, exactly that happened. Pushed out of the side. Then police asked to on the pitch. Up the other, I couldn't believe it. They said, "Doesn't happen at Chelsea, does it?" They said to me. I said, "Bloody hell, it does!" God,
7: God, it happens yeah. everywhere.
5: Because that was a period where it happened absolutely everywhere. All of that, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it did.
7: Mark. Yeah, if we're doing Arsenal confessions, um, Uh-oh. I went to. A... No, no, uh, <laughs> I don't have any
4: all... Arsenal confessions. Uh, I'm no, proud no, to say.
7: No, I went to an Arsenal Carabao Cup game a few years ago. Not the one where we won 2 which I was at as well, which is fantastic. Uh, a friend of mine's a Cardiff City fan. Um, I've known him for a number of years, so he had a spare ticket um, in the Cardiff end. So I was with nine thousand ra- rabid Welshmen uh, as, as Cardiff played at the Emirates, uh, and it was the reverse side of things. As coming out after the ground, like and an Arsenal had lost to Cardiff, nine thousand Welshmen terrorising the streets of North London. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't an Arsenal fan to be found afterwards, because like the Cardiff fans, they are phenomenal to support, but. They do like a bit of Welsh nationalism as well when they're playing against an English <laughs> side. <laughs> well, he's it... my friend. You know this friend I've known for years turned into a raving Welsh nationalist. You know, and he kept saying like "f the English," and I said, "That's okay,
8: I'm Irish." Yeah, you just know? get your Irish passport. They're yeah. talking a bit. There you go. There yeah. it is. Well, you know, passport, of, course,
4: of course, of course, you know, a bit of a grudge match for the Carstall, uh, for the Cardiff fans going back to 1927 Mark.
7: <laughs> oh, yeah, they, oh, they were. They turned up en mass because they, they thought it would be 1927 repeated. Yeah. They they went with high hopes of getting the result off. So they, I, I, got, I think they got well bit in the end, but they held them out for quite a while. But just the support, night, that 9,000, phenomenal away support that night. You know.
4: Well, that the 9,000 we had there for that Caribou Cup match was one of the best times I've had an away match. It was just deliriously funny. They never de- de- let de- us de- have, de- have it again. They didn't, yeah. did yeah, they?
7: I don't, I don't think there's ever been a team allowed to have 9,000 since. Like, no. Chelsea fans putting scarves around just, Arsenal legend statues. We just know?
4: owned it. I mean, I remember, I think, uh, Martin might have been with me. I don't know. But uh, were you with me and Pablo afterwards? No, before. We were trying before. to get to the ground and yeah, the we, tube we, was an absolute shame. We sherman. were in, the, in the Holborn, weren't we? Shakespeare's head in yeah, Holborn. Yeah, we were in the Shakespeare's head. But I ended up with Pablo. I think me and Pablo went for a drink. Because I was working up there, if you remember, at the time. I to, my offices were, like, literally two minutes' walk from the stadium. So I knew a lot of the local pubs around there. and Me and Pablo went into the pub that I used to go and drink in a lot when I was at work, full of Arsenal fans. And I thought, well, this would be fun. So, so Pablo and I went in there and had a, about two or three pints. And, you know, we were keeping a pretty low profile, obviously, but... But I'd never seen such a miserable, moany bunch of supporters ever. It was hilarious. They were really indignant about the fact that Chelsea had nine thousand there, and we'd actually taken the whole damn place over. And Pablo and I were just cackling, sitting there in the corner. It was great fun. Anyway, that's probably a, a, a lovely note to end it on tonight. Um, uh, before I before we go, though, before I say thank you to everybody, a quick uh, plug as always. Particularly important time uh, to plug these two things: the Chelsea pitch owners. Um, if you uh, want a piece of uh, Chelsea, if you want to uh, own part of the freehold, then you need to get yourself a Chelsea pitch owners share, uh, which basically means, uh, as you know, the CPO owns the freehold of the ground and it also has the, owns the name Chelsea FC. So in a time when we're about to change ownership, this is vitally important because the more fans, more supporters that own shares, the more of us say we have to stop them doing anything naughty which like sell it from underneath us and move it to milton Keynes or something so there you go it's very important that you do it um shares the lowest entry point for a share is an electronic share and that's 110 quid and i think you can go up to about 175 quid for a signed and uh signed by somebody like mason mount and it's all in a nice frame you can't see it but mine's up there all right believe me or not uh, so there we go uh, go to the main chelsea website chelseafc.com and then just put uh, chelsea pitch owners in the search engine engine and you'll find out how to buy one online and of course the other thing is the supporters trust chelsea supporters trust the, the, the boys mark uh, is on the board with me uh, but they've been doing an absolutely fantastic job apart from me and mark tonight because we're doing this instead of being at a board meeting isn't that right mark
7: I didn't even know there was a board meeting tonight. I've been offline all day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I should,
4: shouldn't have told you that then, should I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But, you know, fan cars comes first. Get your priorities yeah. right. But, no, they've been doing brilliant work uh, and they continue to do brilliant work trying to get the message across to all of these bidders about what's important to uh, to supporters and what to not touch and what to give us uh, in order to, uh, to protect the things that we love uh, most dearly about the club. So there you go. So if you want to have a say as well, You can join as a member for five quid. That's five quid a year, uh, which means you get to vote in the elections. You get to put forward motions for the AGM. uh, You get a nice shiny badge as well. Um, But I think again, you know, a a time like now. I mean, it's not just about the battle now. When 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 the owners are bidding, it's what will happen afterwards. Because for certainly ten years, we've been pushing forward motions to them about. You know, don't do this. This is what you need to improve on ticket prices, ticket allocations, away uh, support, travel, all of the really important things to match going supporters in particular. Uh, we've done very well at and we have fought very good battles and we have won a lot of ground. That's going to have to all start again when we get new owners. So it's a very, very important time to become a member because the more members we have, the more powerful that voice is and the more that they are likely to listen and not do anything fucking stupid. So there you go. Go to ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. Sign up today if you haven't already. Right, that is uh, all we've got time for this week. Uh, JK and Martin and I will be back with you on Friday night for the Friday night preview show, where we'll be catching up on all the latest news and previewing the Brentford match. Hopefully, Martin, with your
6: mate, Billy the Bee. Oh, yeah. Um, that's quite funny. I just saw him the day after we'd done the preview the last time in the Boozer. So
4: yeah, I haven't yeah. asked him yet. Cause just,
6: oh, yeah, that, that might help.
4: Um, I, I shall try and ask him, because JK really uh, isn't a fan, I don't think, as I
5: recall. Yeah, that was great, wasn't it? Not talking about the match at all. That was really good fun. I oh, like he,
4: he did it pissed, didn't he? In some Yeah, he was completely party. pissed.
5: He just talked about the people who were coming in and the party. And, and, that, and... that
4: was that who's that bird from Catatone? Bird... Keris K- Matthews. Yes, he, Matthews. Yeah. He kept
5: talking about how he was yeah, chatting to her. Oh well I was very but, jealous but of him. You were very jealous, in fact, yeah. But I, I if you, if he can't make it, cha. Um, I've got my mate Greville who will Oh, we'll
4: Greville. Do... Well maybe we'll do Greville.
5: Can I Grovel for Greville? I'll send Grevel a note now if you want. Yeah, him. I haven't
4: heard from Billy the Bee.
5: All right, I'll put him on standby. All right, okay.
4: Uh, yeah, Gravel. I think we had Greville on last time,
5: didn't we? He he came in briefly. He did, didn't he? Yeah, to talk about football.
4: Yeah. All right. Good. Okay. We might get Greville on instead, but maybe we'll get both on. I don't know. I'm not fussy. We'll see. But he anyway. knows him. He knows him. Oh, he will. Well, Billy the Bee. Yeah, she
5: said, "Why'd you get him on? He doesn't talk about football at all." He said.
4: Well, because he's got loads of followers, mate. I'm going down the Londoner's blue
5: room. Yeah, right? that's yeah. what to do, of I'm course. I've sold yeah, my soul, yeah. mate. What can I yeah, say? Yeah, I'm going been... to wash
4: myself, wash myself three times out of the shame of it tonight. He's an influencer. I forgot. No, I, absolutely... I, no I actually know Billy the Bee, actually. And I've known yeah, him. Billy yeah. well, was a love sport. That's why I know Billy. I yeah,
5: know no, you yeah. do. I know, I remember. Yeah, yeah no, you said he was a nice chap. He no, was. He he's a lovely just... bloke. Anyway. He was just drunk.
4: Yeah, well, okay. I, well, I don't mind that. I've always applauded that. Anyway, we may or may not have Billy the Bee or Greville on on Friday with us to do the uh, Greville Waterman, the opposition, Greville. the opposition view. But we I can tell you for sure we will be joined by Liam Toomey of The Athletic. Well, we will be again when I've reminded him. But uh, don't let that worry you. Uh, of course, you can get this podcast at ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, lots of other podcast distributors, too, uh, together with Dean uh, Mears' Went to Moe Kings Meadow, the uh, podcast he does on the women's team, which is brilliant as well. Uh, now as you as you know we've done this show tonight uh, not just us a lot but we've had lots of lovely people that we've got to know really really well who support us wonderfully fantastically they have no idea how grateful i am that they do this but they're all people on our patreon site uh, and of course uh, I, as i said i'm very grateful for that if you want to do that too you can donate as as little or as much as you want it, there's there really honestly is no pressure uh, but it's patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast and if you do that you automatically will get, uh, well, if you remind me, I'll I'll email you or or send you a link for the Discord group. And if you send me your address, you can have a Kerry Dixon banner. So there you go. Um, Very quickly, uh, for those of us who are still here, um, is that a good deal for Patreon? Do you like being Patreon members? Is this a good thing that we do? They're all kind of nodding sagely. So there you go. You'll just have to believe me. They're all on mute, but they're nodding. So I'm not just bullshit and yowl. Okay, (laughs) so there you go patreon you know it makes sense uh and emails too we love our emails send them to chelsea fancast at gmail.com uh by sunday evening and you will get them read out on the show right I- i'd just like to say a huge thank you to to our guests tonight who in no particular order and you can unmute yourselves with this bit if you want uh daryl and claire and uh ash and oscar and lester and james and craig and trey Hello. and paul and we have pierre earlier on didn't we as well and uh somebody we just missed who i can't remember but anyway we've had matt. some who matt oh matt that matt, matt was here too wasn't he yeah we've had some lovely people have you all enjoyed it just talk over yourselves i don't mind in this bit have you all enjoyed it it's been, <laughs> it's been great. great brilliant it's been great. good well yeah good well we'll do it we'll do another one soon. i do have that i just asked the boy the boys actually i mean martin jk tony adam if Mar- you do you
7: like the q and a's
5: I love them. it's not working for me. Not for me.
8: Why not? <laughs> I I like it. It's it's nice, and we're not. So it's, it's a change from reviewing games and and uh, you know going over you know either disasters or successes or whatever. Um, and I mean, for me, right now, this is my last involvement with Chelsea for a few weeks because I'm. My my daughter is replacing me on Saturday. She's uh, she's coming off the bench to go to the Brentford game.
5: Is she coming on here?
8: Uh, no, she's, she's, she's going to go to the Brentford game because I desperately want to go on my Caribbean cruise on Sunday and I'm doing my utmost to avoid absolutely everybody in the fucking world so yeah. I don't fail a PCR test on Thursday and a lateral flow on Saturday night. I've, I've waited so long for this. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know... I want to be on that plane and then I want to be sinking a large rum based cocktail um from Sunday pretty much uh, all well, the time.
4: Tony, have a, have a great time doing that, mate. You've, you've certainly earned the right to do that. Fingers crossed that you'll be fine. I'm sure you yeah. will. Um But, you know, thank you. Obviously, all of our guests, all of our Discord group, Patreon people and all, of course, all the people in Mixler as well, who I shouldn't forget, who have been brilliant tonight as well. I have been looking in, but it's a bit frantic when you've got lots of people uh, I don't know, we've got about 17 people at, at some stage. So I haven't had a chance to really include you in here. But uh, Adam, as always, we are very privileged to have uh, your expertise and insight with us on a Monday evening. So thank you very much, as always.
0: Thank you very much for inviting me along.
4: All right, it's an absolute pleasure. Mr. Meehan, you absolute legend, you. Well done again for everything that you did. I mean, you were the driving force behind the sleep out this year and you were fantastic. It's been brilliant seeing you on the Monday after the Saturday, if you see what I mean.
7: No, absolutely great. Great to be on, and I've got the week off this week, so I can catch up on some lost sleep, yeah, and be fit and raring to go for Brentford on Saturday. Yeah, but it, again, was... thanks to everybody as well. Yeah, you know, twenty-one thousand is absolutely fantastic. Mm, you know, so great. I think every, every, everyone involved, you know should be really proud of themselves for the money we've raised.
4: Was it yeah. really? Was it really cold at Stamford Bridge?
7: Well, it's like it was a lovely day on Saturday, but the temperature dropped in the evening, and because you and you've done it because of the concourse, the wind blows through what 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 people notice is when you're in your sleeping bag you're fine but if you if you put your head above the parapet so if you if you put your head up the breeze is that that sort of low level and you feel it then on your face yeah
4: yeah i mean i i was i i was quite warm in the garage actually on the shed my shed i was quite surprised but i think that might have had a lot to do with the whiskey i'd drunk before
7: how much how much of it did you did you finish the bottle
4: no I'd, I'd, i not was, it was a new bottle when i opened it. it's half a bottle
7: Oh, half bowl, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah.
4: On, a, on an empty stomach, which wasn't too bright.
7: But... <laughs> That's why I sent
4: I sent Dom a message with it. I said, "Mate, this is the, this is the last tale from the shed because I'm too pissed to do any more now." And he he just he chuckled quite obviously. But Mark, great to see you. Well done, my friend. Martin, as always, an absolute trooper. Lovely to see you too, my friend. We'll see you again on Friday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Cheers. There we go. And Billy the Bee, hopefully, and maybe Greville. Uh, <laughs> all and, of them, yeah. All of them, absolutely. Tony, uh, lovely to see you, mate. Uh, always you, is. Mate. Have a great time in the Caribbean. Have lots of yeah. rum punches for me.
8: we Will do, mate. And then we'll meet up at uh, one of the games. I'm, I'm there for the rest of the season, I think. I only miss the Brentford game uh, by being at the ground. But I do miss both Champions League uh, quarterfinals and I do miss the FA Cup semi final. <laughs> Ooh, Um, harsh And I can't think that, you know, we're... we're Arsenal. See
4: you for Arsenal on the the
8: Wednesday on the 20th. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. I think that'll be the one I'll definitely be at that one.
4: All right, mate, I'm planning to be at that one. Right, last but by no means least, the absolute legend that is Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hello. You did very well tonight. I really enjoyed that. You enjoy that?
5: I'm a bit tired.
4: Oh, bless. I know. You were
5: at the beginning, I noticed that. Yeah, I yawned a bit. Everybody here, Chidge always spots me nodding off. I do. I do, and I nod occasionally if I've had a I've been to the gym, actually, despite my advanced years. And occasionally I just go. And, and I have realized i I'm doing it, and I think I mustn't. I mustn't do. That's not fair. And also, I'm trying to listen to the to the question at the same time. But uh, <laughs> some, sometimes I can't. You know, I can't. I can't manage it. You know. Have, have um, I
4: told you that story about when I went to the to the uh, Champions League match against Man United up at Old Trafford when Ancelotti was in charge? And on the way back, uh, I'd hired a car, and I had DJ on the way up, and a couple of others, uh, Jason Covey Duck. And uh, on the way back, we had Jason Covey Duck, uh, Darren's old man, Graham Mantle, and uh, and um, oh god, I'm, I'm having a brain fart now. Oh god, shit, 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 shit. He's from Arkansas. No, he's not. He's from Tulsa in Oklahoma. Cliff Clifford Crevel, Cliff Crevel, the blue the blue yank. He was in the back as well. So I'm driving down the M6. And Cliff was just nodding off in the back. And I could see him nodding off against the window, you know, and the seat. And this is... I had this brand new car. I don't even remember what it was, but it was quite funky. So I kept on opening. I had control of each of the windows. And whenever I saw him nodding off, I just, like, opened open the window you're a touch bastard. and his head would like, cruel. like not out of it. And he'd wake uh, up and it'd be like
5: this. Gosh.
4: And he said, uh, you bastard chidge. I said, Oh, sorry, mate. I couldn't what, resist. What you're saying is
5: you'd like to have a device that wakes me up. Yeah. So
4: I, I need the equivalent here. But I, I mean, basically he'd go back to sleep and I, I did, must've done it about six times on the way back to London. he, oh, he didn't learn.
5: That's, that's not showing you in a good light. That's no,
4: no, but Jason thought it was hilarious. He was yeah, pissing, yeah. pissing yeah. his pants. Yeah. Uh, Graham oh. is an absolute pr- away, away match professional. So literally, we we stuck in the traffic jam getting out of Old Trafford. He was asleep in five minutes. He didn't wake up and he said, oh, you just go down here, mate, to drop me off. I I mean, how he knew, I don't know. Professional to the core. But poor old Cliff, he got the got the rough rough end of the stick on that one. Anyway, we digress. Uh, Right, where was we? I know we're about to go. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. That's uh, all we've got time for. As I said, we will see you on Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Ah Chelsea. Oh yeah!